Don't stream porn on mobile data. Welcome to episode number 167 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, June 11th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where all of my nudes are secure because they're not on my iPhone. And from America's left coast, where I've got my cat, my coffee and my crypto. Let's rock. I'm Ryan Bembrose. Ooh, that's a pretty good uh, trifecta you got going there. Yeah, only some of them won't kill me. You never know. I mean, we can all guess which ones, which ones do, which ones won't. A lot of crypto stories to oh, talk yeah. about this so, week. <laughs> in fact, in fact, the contents of my notes uh, pretty much resolves around two topics right now. I've got crypto and I've got Apple. <laughs> yeah, and they, they are intertwined. I will say, I mean, the big story, bit. I mean, I knew they would have to cover this on no agenda. So I knew we were going to. uh we we're going to get uh, beaten there as have, far as have another haagen moment. Yeah, we were going <laughs> to we we're going to be uh, scooped like Haagen-Dazs. Ah, Abel Kirby. And uh, I thought about doing the whole random thoughts on Wednesday about it. But I'm like, you know, this is way too tech of a topic. And it really no. was more grumpy old and, Ben's. And, and you couldn't turn down on Wednesday. You could not turn down an opportunity to berate all of the the far right idiots who uh anyway you the, go, far go idiots, the, the far left are idiots the far right far left are idiots, they're idiots. They're, they're, yeah there's idiots on every side who knew yeah i know that's why it, the middle is such a great place but the middle is shrinking that is what's wrong with this country i think that when we were growing up there were really crazy people on both sides but a vast majority of people were somewhere in the middle and nobody was really that uh that active with the the insanity i mean i'm gonna disagree with you a little bit i don't i uh, okay the middle is shrinking a little bit probably because there's a lot of people who are looking at this and taking a side when they wouldn't have before but i still genuinely believe that the vast majority of people are keeping their heads down and hoping that all of this retarded crap just blows over from the left and from the right well right the loud and maybe people, it will and maybe it won't. And maybe the people who want to keep their heads down are going to finally be forced out in the open. And if they do, God help us all. But I think that most people are they're not they're not uh, taking sides. They're just shutting up. Well, and the like, people that are loud, they, we used to just they used to just be on the streets of your town there in Seattle, in Portland and in uh, San Francisco. But they didn't really have the pulpit that they do now with social media and the stuff that spreads these things and i mean really i think that's probably the truth i don't know if they're the middle is actually shrinking or if we're just being exposed to more of the radicals on both sides and that is probably what it is more than anything else is that those viewpoints are getting a lot more well press because the mainstream media has gone radical I mean, maybe that's the biggest change is that the mainstream media which used to be in you know biased now have gone radical and that i guess is a pretty big change 
Whether, uh, the the change that I think that heart that heart uh, heart no heart, that heralds the yes. change I think that that is is an indicator of is that the mainstream media are losing relevance at a rate even higher than they're prepared to handle because social media has replaced uh, CNN and and NBC for people's news. Very few people, most of whom are boomers, still watch mainstream media. And yeah, okay, you know, somewhere along the line, all the crap that you're getting from your Facebook friends ultimately came from CNN or WAPO. But the primary source for people is is word of mouth, and it's word of mouth through these cancerous social media channels. But it it certainly isn't the the big unidirectional Whoa. broadcast anymore. Cat down. What was that? A cat going down? Oh it, no! I, it was me flipping my phone over because I got. <laughs> this I, I just received my very first of of many spam calls today. Now, does it worry you overall as a society? People believe they can understand what's going on in the world by reading a short little blurb headline on Twitter, right? I, t- Twitter doesn't have room for anything but a headline. But even when there's a full story, people don't read that story. They read the headline. Yeah, and I'd like to know, like when somebody posts, what's the, uh, a link? To an article, even if the article is complete bullcrap, I don't care. But if somebody posts a link to a news story on Twitter, what percentage of people read that headline and then what percentage actually then click? And I understand the whole clickbait thing is to get people to then click the link. But I don't think most people do when well, they read the headline and think they understand. They, they want you to click the link. Uh, they, they don't care if you read the article. Just click the link. Yes. That's, we want the ads. Like, yeah. And and for that, I mean, you know, there is an extension of the headline, which is the first paragraph, which in a lot of stories will give you everything that they think you need to get out of the story because they know that even the people who click are going to. OK, well, I read the first paragraph. We're good. I, I don't know. What was your question? Well, that, you know, I did see something with that as well, which it may have been a part of the guy from Breitbart that just published the book on the mainstream media. But there was an article I read recently about the concept of if the news that there are, well, one, they will quite often just ignore any news that doesn't go along with their narrative. That I think we understand. But the other was if they have to cover it, there's some things that are too big where it's going to be a big glaring black hole if they don't cover it in one way, shape or form. But the concept was if it was something that pushed their narrative it showed up in that first paragraph of the article. If it was something that they didn't really like, didn't go along with their narrative, you know, it might be in the 10th, 12th, 20th paragraph of the article before they get well, to that part. That's the way it used to be. Now it's literally not in the article. Yes, quite often. But even if it is, it's way down the page. But the two yeah. main stories that we have for this week are kind of connected, I think. But we have uh, two involving law enforcement, the FBI. We have. The concept of the colonial pipeline, them getting some of the crypto back. And then we have the story of the FBI slash Australian authorities slash other world authorities, I'm assuming, that created the best honeypot ever. And I think uh, both of those may be connected because hearing and reading everything I can about this concept that the colonial pipeline hackers, the dark side folks, that they were able to get back like about half of the, you know, 2 million or so in crypto back from them. Nobody's explaining how, how, yeah, I, 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 
Well, first of all, the more I learn about this colonial pipeline thing, the more I think that maybe it was set up to be the best honeypot ever. It may be. And that is, you know, or it was connected to the other because there's a lot of people who don't understand. And I can't. Well, I guess I can. If you're in the mainstream media, I can blame you for not doing the research to understand, you know, how cryptocurrency wallets work when it comes to, you know, passwords or key phrases or whatever, because there's been a lot of coverage where they're throwing around terms where you can tell they probably have no idea what they're talking about. Because logging into a crypto wallet isn't like logging into your Gmail account. And the media doesn't know what they're talking about is has never really been a requirement of of a a newscaster, news reporter. It it used to be the kind of thing that a journalist would provide themselves on. But there are no journalists anymore. So they just news readers. They're just bloggers. But the person writing it is hardly important. Could kind of know what's going on. But you'd you'd like to think that, wouldn't you? Uh huh. Because, uh, you know, I could see where the two could be connected, because even if you have offline storage, and this is kind of the, you know, what I'm guessing maybe happened, because the first easy guess was somebody was using a Coinbase wallet, which if you're using a wallet that is owned by a company like Coinbase and is not your own, I mean, I understand my crypto in Coinbase, I mean, it's mine, I trust Coinbase. But they are a company that if reached out to by the FBI or whoever and have a, you know, they have a warrant or whatever they need to. Coinbase acts very much like a bank. It isn't as secure as you holding your own crypto, which makes sense because they're holding it for you. And that was the first guess for a lot of people was, well, these uh, criminals were dumb and they were just using a wallet that was online that was based on, you know, with something like Coinbase. Coinbase came out immediately and said, no, nope, it wasn't us. Coinbase, just just to be very, very clear, you are Coinbase's customer. You make them money. Therefore, they're loyal to you. But they're also listed in NASDAQ, which means that they also jump through all the hoops that the federal government regulators will tell them to, regardless of what your wishes are. Plan accordingly. Right. So if you're a law abiding citizen who's just messing around with crypto, it's a fine place. If you are a criminal trying to scam people out of millions of dollars, probably not the place you want to be. Just saying. Yeah, it's I, I mean, at that point, uh, you're you're safer just creating a node on a Raspberry Pi and storing yes. your your stuff locally. I mean, that's not that hard to do. Even Sir Gene figured it out. <laughs> nice. Uh, oh. but there, there's. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> nice. Go Did, after I, the- I, Go after the guy that's uh, supporting the show today. I mean, come on. Oh, oh, is he? What? Oh, I, I take back everything. Yeah, you better look at Sir that Gene, list. Sir Gene is a really bad dude. The concept with these hardware wallets, they have a backup for you. So, I mean, if you buy a hardware wallet from the companies that, you know, what's it like Tresner? There's a couple different companies that make these hardware wallets and they have the ability for you to recover. So if you end up, you know, your device gets destroyed or if you lose your device, they give you a bunch of words like 20 or so that if you write these words down, that's a very important part and keep them secure. You can then go buy another one of their devices and use that passphrase in order to recover your account. I thought that was a feature in the BTCD because they're they're. Uh, there, there are plenty of stories of people who have like 
you know the the 300 bitcoins in a in a locked wallet to for whom the password they've they've lost and and they're like i have three tries left to guess the right 20 words that i never wrote down and and if they you know if they guess wrong three more times it's deleted for i i thought that was and it may be it may be across multiple types of wallets but that is something that you don't want to get into the wrong hands because then somebody yeah. else can yes, yes. recreate your wallet. And this is where I think this may overlap. And, and, and with by the, the other way, do, story. Not, do not store it in a text file right alongside your wallet. It <laughs> is intended to be the, the backup. Not- yes. You know, I mean, I've thought of different ways of trying to do that to make it secure, which I mean, you could hide it in plain sight. You know, in an email or something like that is, you know, if you're doing some kind of crypto, like the first word of each one is somehow, you know, of each sentence put together or whatever. Or or, or you could just print it out on a sheet of paper and then keep that paper in a very safe place, like a safe deposit box or something. Yes. Until your bank burns down and then you have really bad luck. Yes. But at this point, the uh, for the average person, the chance of your bank burning down is still a little bit lower than the chance of all your crypto burning down. That is true. But this is where I thought that this other story of the massive honeypot was maybe overlapping with this, because I can see people, if you believe you have access to a super secure system that nobody can ever access, that this might be a place you store it. I know that is very wishful thinking, but it seems a lot of really big criminal organizations fell into this trap. And I could see you storing this passphrase on your device thinking, hey, nobody's ever going to get to see this. And you don't realize that every bit of information you put into those devices was being CC'd over to the law enforcement, which this I mean, the story on this was I mean, it's not which hard devices to believe were these. This was the device. This was originally this, this broke out of australia but then australia said they had massive help with the uh, lots FBI. of people are trying to break out of australia right now that may be true i mean i've heard there's mice you know, running rampant everywhere and uh, uh, no there's, there's bureaucrats and, and oh, tyrants running rampant everywhere <laughs> you add those two together it's not a lot yeah, of and fun. mice and you can't leave home and also your home is home to a ten thousand mice you know we covered the story what a few months ago of one of these organizations that was selling these devices. I don't remember the name, but they were selling the, the devices to criminal organizations like, hey, we'll provide you with completely secure, untraceable communications. And then they were busted and they put out, I remember they put out the, uh, you know, the warning, like, throw your device away. We've been, you know, we've been breached. And uh, it seems what happened was a very similar story in this, which is somebody that was involved with providing criminal organizations with devices like this was busted. And rather than going to jail, the authorities went, you know, if you'll help us plant our devices with these place the, with these organizations, you know, we'll give you a lighter sentence. And, uh, the old plea bargain. And that is apparently what happened here, which there was over a period of three years these devices out in the wild were everything these people were discussing, including, you know, murder contracts, drug deals, etc., were all being copied to law enforcement where people thought these were so secure that they I mean, this is the interesting thing, too. I mean, if you're a criminal, usually being paranoid would be a good thing. 
And in this case, if if you're a criminal, then they really are out to get you. Yes, they are. And in this case, rather than continuing to speak in code, I mean, that was way, you know, back even like, you know, Al Capone days and stuff would be like, yeah, did you pick up the package or did you, you know, did you, did you pick up our friend from Cleveland, which meant, did you kill the guy? You know, uh, I guess they trusted these devices so much they stopped speaking in code. that makes sense. I mean, I, 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 I can imagine, you know, coming out and talking about whacking somebody and just putting it on your company slack. I, so people are some people are dumb enough to do that. It's, it's, it's I, scary. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, you I could, feel like we should we should go back to the days of of talking in code. Can we just do that for the podcast? Like be, everything that we say is is cryptic and has double meanings, but is actually gibberish. Well, that would be fantastic. Oh, wait, that is our show. Right. Well, we we don't intentionally to make it that way but uh there was recently an episode of the modern rogue that i thought was very interesting that's brian brushwood and uh and murphy's podcast i forget murphy's first name but uh they is had a brian th- might yeah it might be brian no maybe it is both brian that's why it's it's hard to remember um but they had a thing about this art work at the cia that was all a multiple it was uh, nope, step- um, totally wrong it's jason jason murphy there we go <laughs> and uh the artwork was a puzzle and there's like four parts to the puzzle i guess people have gotten up to three parts have been decrypted and they're you know the guy that did it admitted that maybe there were intentional errors to make it harder to uh be able to decipher what's really going on and i just thought it was really really interesting the lengths uh, people will go to to try to solve these things. I mean, there's no cash prize or anything at the end. This is just, well, you know, CIA people are known for their ability to uh, be able to figure things out. You know, that's part of their like job. The, 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 if you're really going to set one of those up and make it awesome, then the, the, the cash prize should be uh, if you solve the cipher, it gives you the address of a BTC wallet. See, that would be awesome. That, that would be cool. One we took from criminals that we somehow got that we don't know how. Yeah. And they're not I, I telling mean, us. Well, I, there's so many uh, Bitcoins out there that are just, you know, in well, a lot of them are, are lost. And then the number, the number that have fallen into law enforcement hands. And actually, I saw I saw oh, something the other day about how many. How many thousands of Bitcoins have been seized by law enforcement who didn't realize what they had? And then at the end of their investigation, just threw away the hard drives and the Bitcoins are gone. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Well, and especially when they're, you know, they could be on USB drives. They can be on a variety of things that you wouldn't know that it was there. And this concept, though, with these devices it it kind of amazed me, and somebody asked in the troll room if you could use them on any provider. That was Boobery. And you could because I don't think these ever used I mean, cell towers. I think it was all, you know, Wi-Fi. And it was just, it was so, it was so James Bondish. From what I understand, that, wait, that sounds like a porno, James Bondage. Um, they, <laughs> the, uh, anything. I'd watch that, that. Yeah. Anything the phones can do were like hidden behind a calculator app so i think you had to like open a calculator app and this reminded me very much of like the beginning of get smart where uh you know they walked oh, down yeah. the hallway and through all the uh, you know it's like okay we're jumping through all these hoops so you have to open up the calculator app you had to enter some kind of a pin number and then it opened up the thing where you could do the secure in air quotes 
messaging or text, you know, of voice, whatever you were doing. And that was the only thing these devices had on it. So, yeah, I don't believe you had to be tied to any particular provider for these things to work. It's very much like the tox program that with, you know, and the protocol that we've talked about using that. And unfortunately, where these things can be very, very, very secure, if law enforcement set them up for you, they're not going to be so secure. And it's just interesting that these organizations for that many years, I mean, I guess if you just keep using the stuff and nobody's getting busted, I mean, it's an interesting thing that law enforcement let it go that long. Three years is a long time for you to be getting constant information about this these kind of crimes. And it's uh, kind of funny that what, what uh, I'm hearing is is an opportunity for a new type of malware cleaner that removes all federal uh, backends and root kits and 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 listening devices from your critical infrastructure. Well, definitely one that looks for. I mean, dude's name Ben. There's some money to be made for working for criminal organizations. Yeah. I mean, it feels like the criminal market is is underserved in IT, and and I bet that they pay really well. Now, uh, their their severance package is a little bit of a bitch. But <laughs> cement shoes. If yeah. You, yeah. If you don't do your job quite well, you don't you don't get fired. Uh, yeah. So let's. A little bit the, of a, the, the profits. Your, your comment about the the hiding the folder made me think of uh, the the thing that I always used to learn. It was back back in college when I, I it was it was a unique opportunity amongst the people in college because it was before anybody noted or thought about computer security. Nobody locked anything down. There was no privacy by default. So uh, when you plugged into the network, you just saw. Every student in the university who was plugged in, all of their file shares. And uh, what I was thinking of was the, the the most important tip that I gave people is like, if you're looking for porn out on there, don't look for a folder called porn because nobody names it that. Look for a folder that's like uh, 2003 finance documents or something. And, and that's where people hide their spank bank. Well, it, now it's always, know, now everybody it's knows always hiding they, in plain sight. If they huh? get to your computer, what folder to look for? <laughs> No, mine's just called stuff. Oh, well, that yeah, yeah. I I have I have folders named stuff, but they're not porn. Uh, I have some named various stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not very good with sorting yeah, digital yeah. files. It's, it, it's how you know how how you know somebody is not so good at naming things is when they just have a bunch of folders called stuff. Yeah, and I have I have folders called delete this with shit that's like four or five years yeah. old. It's like oh, I guess I didn't delete that yet. Yeah, yeah I've got a couple folders that are like uh, delete by 2016 10 something like that like delete you know delete by october 2016 like uh i guess i didn't do that nope nope you always look for and the then cloud i look backup. in there and i look in there and i've got something that's still writing to it like what yeah, well, anyway what is logging to this but uh so i mean the takeaway on this is never trust any device that's sold to you as going to be secure and law enforcement cannot track you because that's probably a lie and uh, even if it is true the amount of time that it might take for law enforcement to then be able to active, you know, get into that system. You don't know how long that's going to be. So, you know, always speak in code. Don't uh, don't give all your secrets I, away. I, alternatively, give up this life of crime and go legit. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, OK, you, you can't get ahead that way. But that is my belief that that seems more likely. The fact that this happened 
right about the same time that this honeypot was revealed and the FBI magically got these funds back. I feel like there may be a connection there and they they just don't want to say that because um the one funny thing about the honeypot though if i read correctly the law enforcement then sent out messages once this was uh exposed that this was a honeypot i mean the people still have the devices i guess so law enforcement was messaging them with yeah you might want to come in and talk to us about your crimes if you want a lighter sentence <laughs> which is the greatest thing yeah. ever yeah I probably sent out the message on on the same Slack that they were talking so freely on. Yes. Yeah. Hi. Uh, this is the uh, federal authorities. Yeah. yeah. This this is the FBI agent who's been listening in on your conversations for the last three and a half years. Yes. We need to have a chat. Yes. I mean, we've we've talked about the spam we get and I get them all the time still in email, which is like, I've got your data. I know about what you've been doing in front of your camera. I think you know what I mean. I'm going to uh-huh. leak all of your data if you don't send me Bitcoin. Well, yeah, I love those. This, like, I've got I've got videos of you spanking. I'm like, really? Can you send those to me? Because uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and in this case, though, they really do have the stuff. So that's got to yeah. ruin your day. That's really got to ruin your day. When I, 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 I feel like you, 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 I'm not exactly the kind of person who who practices blind obedience to authority, but I feel like if if you're going to be going out of your way to flout the law and make your business out of doing criminal things, you need to take some responsibility for for maintaining that it. I don't know. This is just a story about dumb criminals. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You you did something really dumb and you're getting your your payback for it. That's how things work. You know, and this the concept that crypto is so tied to the ransomware thing is starting to annoy me because the crypto aspect of ransomware is nothing more than convenience. I mean, if morons are going to pay a five million dollar ransom. Does the criminal really care if it's in Bitcoin or somehow get money uh, transferred in some other way, shape or form? I mean, it could be to a, uh, you know, an unlisted well, the, account somewhere. I mean, there's so there, many other ways to do it. There, there have been stories of people using ransomware to to push their their causes of whatever. I, but but yeah, mostly it's about money. And uh, and you don't need crypto to have the ransomware paid. I mean, it's convenient. But you don't yeah. need the crypto aspect of ransomware. I mean, if somebody's going to lock down a government or, you know, large companies data that the company's going to pay or the government's going to pay, it doesn't have to be paid in crypto. I mean, that's just the easiest thing right now. But trying to tie like, well, without crypto, there would be no ransomware. It's like, that's not true at all. So I'm just going to go back to the the standard advice that I give every time that we talk about uh, ransomware. And that is that you you can obviously you need to pay attention to making sure you got good security, make sure that people aren't making social engineering attacks, you know, do do your basic things to prevent people from getting in. But the number one absolute best defense against ransomware is not paying it out. It's keep good backups. It's so that if somebody somehow does find a vulnerability and exploits it and suddenly you get your entire shit encrypted, you're like. Oh, well, that's going to cost me some productivity here. Let me just pave it and restore from backup and we'll be back up tomorrow. Right. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Have backups. That is an important part. 
Uh, keep up with your security. Make sure the people that you are putting in charge of this know what they're doing. And I know. Turn turn on automatic updates where the uh, where the software developers have been magnanimous enough to provide you a lever at all. <laughs> well, it depends because uh, automatic updates could screw you, too. But uh, and they, you often do. And it's a but they don't screw you as much as as leaving vulnerabilities open. That's true. That is absolutely true. And again, I understand big companies aren't that aren't tech companies and everything is tech. Now it's like you. I remember the early days of all this stuff when people were doing hiring for like network security and to set up networks. And it's like, how do you interview? I mean, if you're just somebody with no tech knowledge whatsoever, how do you make sure that the person you're hiring knows what they're doing? You didn't, and they still don't. You know, I'm so. I had three crypto stories, and not one of them was one of the ones you brought. Ooh, yeah. Uh, the first one is a local story in Birmingham, UK, where uh, the local police, in in doing something that that had a little to do with computing and everything to do with it, it's something cops had done for a long time. Um, they were looking for marijuana grow operations and they found a particular place. Uh, I think it was a, a shack attached to a house that was showing up when they had the low flying planes go over with the infrared and it was showing up as venting a lot of heat outside. Right. And it was had to be grow uh, lights, and right? It was using yeah, it had to be grow light, <laughs> and it was using a crap ton of power. And they're like, "This is totally a, a weed growing operation." And and in Birmingham, UK, like still most places, uh, it's not legal to grow your own weed in your backyard, and so people have to do it surreptitiously and in a little shack. And and then you know, grow lights are very warm and use a lot of power, and that's that's how you that's how they catch you. They'll fly a plane overhead and look for, except that, of course, it wasn't weed. It was Bitcoin mining. Woo! Oh, they, just as dangerous. They said, detectives said that they were tipped off about lots of people visiting the unit throughout the day, and a police drone picked up a lot of heat coming from the building. Western Power Distribution checked it out and found a, a quote, illegal connection to the electrical supply. Ah, see, um, that'll get you. Yeah, that's that. Well, they weren't paying for their electricity. That's probably the. Because Bitcoin mining is not actually illegal, even in Birmingham, but but making an illegal connection to the electrical supply, I guess, I guess an illegal connection is is um, well, it's illegal. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So the images that the the cops released showed uh, banks of computers. This was actually a pretty good setup. They had a bunch of computers that would all fit into uh, like six inch square uh, a kind of long form factor. And they were, you know, all shiny aluminum casings with a giant fan mounted to one end and some dryer ducting mounted to the other end, which went straight outside. I so and and there were just banks and banks of these computers that uh, they're probably I mean, the, the two images that I saw, there were probably a good 200 of them. I mean, and not a small operation. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, somebody got really creative, but they they stole they stole power and the cops thought it was a grow operation went and busted them. And they're like, what are all these computers and where's all the weed? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could definitely do a lot more crypto mining if I had a couple really long extension cords and just plugged it into the neighbor's houses. I, you, how long do you think you'd be able to do that before someone noticed not, not long at all, unless you were able to bury the cable somehow, that would be a lot harder. If you were able, if you had time, to where you could bury the cable 
underneath the you know the lawn and it just popped up right where you needed to plug in because most houses have outlets on the outside of the house and most people don't pay any attention to that whatsoever that i bet you could get away with it for a long time well that's what i'm wondering is is it, it would it would be at least a month before the next power bill showed up and it depends i guess on whether or not they're the kind of person who just looks at the bottom line and pays it right. or if they actually pay attention to what would like oh this is this is a lot more than last month this is five times i mean comet i've mentioned this before they send us via actual envelope and paper a thing every month going here's how much electricity this isn't even the bill this is besides the bill this is a separate mailing, which is, yeah. here's how much electricity you've used. Here's what oh, your we average have one of neighbors used. Here's what your efficient neighbors used. And here's how much more you're using. Yeah, we have one of those where they add a bunch of extra papers into the bill so that they can show you exactly how green you're being by, you know, killing more trees by adding paper. And I am never green. I'm always like double what the average person in the yeah, neighborhood so is I'm paying for it. Yeah. And well, it's different because the way I always looked at it was one, uh, I'm home, you know, when the wife and I both worked outside of the house, then the electric bill was less because, well, nobody's in the house. So the electric bill goes down. But when I'm here all day running multiple computers and running, you know, other electric stuff, you know, the air conditioning when it's 90 degrees out like it is today, that's going to make the electric go up. But as long as I can afford it, that's fine, as you said. But this is why. 90 the, degrees the yeah, electric you make me not want to move to illinois yeah it's it's very warm out uh today it's uh although i mean they're hitting records in like vegas and down by harry hamster in arizona i mean they're talking like 115 it's like holy crap go outside you'll melt yeah that 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 sounds uncomfortable yeah it sounds just a little bit a uh, little bit I, one of the reasons i live so far north is i don't like sweating <laughs> right well see that's good you know when we went to ireland that was in, you know interesting to me was that they're in that similar climate to Seattle and the most of the uh, hotels there were some well not most but uh, there were some hotels that had no air conditioning at all and most of the other ones it was an option that it just wasn't a normal thing it's like you're coming from here it's like well doesn't everything have air conditioning oh my god how can you even live you know it, it turns out that most of the new construction is all getting air conditioning these days because the Usually, like if it's a house, it gets air conditioning via heat pump or something, which, you know, they're very efficient for heating in the winter. But around here, air conditioning is only useful. I mean, it's 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 the middle of June right now. And what. It is 61 degrees outside and overcast, and I'm not using air conditioning right now. Who knew? In fact, the the electric heater right in front of me is providing me all the heat that I need. Uh, I, I also known as my computer, and I we we just I, I open windows when I want it cooler, and I close windows when I want it warmer. And that what but, a weird system. Yeah, who knew? Currently, uh, I was I was going to give a a quick grumpy old Ben's tip. Uh, uh, if you have to steal power from your neighbors, okay. um, this is, this is something that I realized when I was, uh, helping Bamlet wire up his, his electric car is if somebody has an electric car, that is where you steal power from. <laughs> well, because, yeah, especially when they first get the electric car, you know, their bill's about to go way up and they have no yeah. idea how much their bill's going to. So if you see your neighbor come in with a brand new electric car today, start stealing electric from them immediately. And, and uh, yeah, you know, we had that stat about how many people will get rid of their electric car within two years. And so there's going to be a lot of neighbors where 
they get rid of the electric car, but you're not going to spend the extra money to take the 220 volt outlet off of the outside of this. So, hey, you know what? Just plug into that. Nobody will know. Nobody will be the wiser right now in the uh, outskirts of Chirac. It's 88 degrees with a heat index of 100. Yes. So is uh, so what's a heat index? Is that is that because of humidity or is that? Yeah. Once you add it's like the wind chill. That sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah. Once you add the, so that's like what this allegedly feels like. If you walk outside, it feels like a hundred because of the humidity, just like in the winter, it's like, Hey, it's 30 degrees out, but it feels like negative 4,000 with the wind chill. I was totally blown away when somebody was talking about summer humidity because I I grew up well here in the Pacific Northwest, where even when we have warm days on the summer, uh, if it's warm, that means there's no clouds. If there's no clouds, the humidity drops. If there's clouds then and humidity, the temperature drops because it's blocking the sun. And so we don't have hot, humid days here. And uh, like the first time that I spent a, a weekend in Kansas City or or God help me, Orlando, I I freaking died. I, I my body was incapable of coping with it. We have high humidity days, but, you know, we'll we'll have five months at a time where the humidity is maxed out. But when humidity is maxed out and it's 36 Fahrenheit, well, you're close to freezing. You're like, yeah, it, it, but it's a dry heat. Right. Right. I remember going down to Orlando during the summer months for the first time and walking outside and be sweating in like, I think, less than a second. I mean, yeah. it was like walking into a shower. Yeah, they've got uh, like the the hotel that I was in when I went to Orlando once. And and by the way, uh, uh, screw Epcot Center. What the hell? What? Who thought that was entertaining at all? Even remotely. Dude, Somebody Epcot was, was awesome for a while. Oh, well, I, I may have been triggered by the fact that I the first the one time I visited Orlando, we we had a, a it was five days that we were going to be there and we were supposed to visit all the parks. But we lost one day uh, to some kind of scheduling conflict. And the result was we ended up having to spend 14 hours at Epcot Center. And I'm like, uh, can't we spend 14 hours at Magic Kingdom or somewhere in- interesting? Well, you see, but- in, in Epcot Center, you could have jumped over to the UK pavilion where you could have walked in and start drinking beer at the pub. I, not at no, because I was in high school. <laughs> they well, you didn't have the ID then. OK, that makes yeah. it a little bit less fun. But uh, but yeah, the, the hotel we stayed at in Orlando was uh, it was. Every entrance, I guess, I guess this is a normal thing in places that are hot and humid, uh, had the, the doors and then another set of doors. There was like an airlock in between. Right. Right. With, with hardcore fans that I guess would like take all the evil humidity that came in and send it back outside where it can think about what it's done. But, well, there's um, a lot of places like that here in Chicago too for the winter. Like there's a lot of restaurants where you have that. You walk in one door, there's a little, you know, little hallway and then there's another door. So that way when it's 40 below and the wind's blowing that, Somebody opening the door doesn't let all that in immediately. Yeah, or or cause a gust of wind to knock over everybody off. Yeah, right. Okay. I could see that. You need the airlock, but uh, I mean, now I want one for my house. See, but, everybody yeah. should have one, and then you could also use that for like COVID. You could just spray people with chemicals when they're in the little airlock before you let them into your okay, house. Okay, now we're starting to talk like like an airline. <laughs> Wait, are they doing that? Like, well, they make you get naked first. I, I don't know. I haven't been on a plane since January of 2020. Yeah, much longer for me, and I'm not uh, not looking to get back on one anytime soon. No, no, it, it, there there is little evidence that the idiocy surrounding the lockdowns and COVID is is going anywhere. 
especially around here where technically we're still under a freaking mask mandate. Thanks. Italy. Oh, well, you are kind of like Canada and they're still under. I mean, I'm watching stuff from what people are posting. Our friends up north, like our friend uh, Carolyn Blaney from the Hog Story Blaney's, where it's like, oh, we can buy underwear and socks again on Friday. It's like, what? <laughs> what, are you, what kind of rules are these? Yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Pretty, pretty soon they'll come out with a, a rule that says uh, if uh, your social security number is even, then you'll be able to stand in a bread line for every alternate Tuesday. Yeah. She, Carolyn's in the troll room right now and says, yes, that's accurate. I'm like, I don't. That's under- retarded. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the concept, but uh, that's uh, this is why that's, you know, some of this stuff's been entertaining. I mean, if you're living in it, it's not, but it's just not. I mean, it's not weird because I understand what's going on. But now that I mean, you would normally would equate the United States, Canada. You wouldn't think there would be that big of a difference. And, you know, here in the United States now, the masking is pretty much done in a lot of areas. I'm sure there are still some. Except the left coast. Yeah, like that. But around here, I mean, you can go out. You can go sit in a restaurant. My mom and dad went to their favorite little breakfast place uh, yesterday and said now where they had been seating everybody, you know, every other booth and the tables were really spread out. Now it's every booth and the tables are a little bit closer together. And you, for some reason in that restaurant, you still have to wear the mask until you get to your table and it's like you people don't understand science you know you're not going to infect anybody while walking from the front door to your table this is not science cult behavior is not science we've told uh, talked about that over and over again we need purple kool-aid and uh, nike products so we can all go meet the mothership yes i guess actually if you have to join a cult join join the kind that that they uh you know gather tens of thousands of guns and stay in uh, a a fortified bunker (laughs) Yeah, that's a better cult I mean, than the ones that are going to drink the Kool-Aid and send yes, you to Valhalla. Yes, it is. I mean, at least at least you get to play with guns until the FBI comes in and murders everybody. Well, that's only in Waco and that's only under Democratic rule. But we, we don't we don't talk about that. We don't talk about Elian Gonzalez and right, uh, children right. being ripped away from their parents. I mean, come on. Yeah, we, I mean, we do, but let's well, not right now. Yeah, we do. Uh, um, um, yeah. Commissioner of the IRS, Charles Reddig. Uh, asked Congress on Tuesday for new authority and resources in order to regulate cryptocurrencies for better tax collection and to avoid frauds and scams. It's starting. Are we surprised? Yeah, I've been watching the pricing and it's uh, while it's not crashing, the prices are doing a slow retreat right now and uh, not going up, which it makes sense because when people don't know what's going to happen, then this is where. People start jumping out of investing in this, but it so, makes sense because it was never really an investment to begin with. So, so nothing, nothing new, nothing official, nothing has changed in particular. But uh, the the IRS commissioner has now officially gone to Congress and at in in a a hearing on uh, Biden's insane budget proposal that will destroy the economy. Uh, one of the hearings. Uh, he came out and said, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people are making a lot of money in Bitcoin and we're not getting a part of it. And we want more of that. So can can we get more money for enforcement? And, uh, I, I mean, they already have uh, they, they've already been budgeted in a rule earlier this year, uh, a bill earlier this year. Um, the ability uh, to enforce uh, it, 
what's the requirement? The requirement is that all transfers in crypto of more than $10,000 must be reported to the IRS. Right. And they have people enforcing that. That's, that is a rule now. And, uh, they are now, um, looking for, for more budget, more funds to do more auditing, to do more. And so, I mean, this is, this is not crypto is becoming illegal. This is becoming, hey, the government has noticed crypto and now you had better make sure that you and your you, you know, you make things right with your priest and your accountant because they're coming for you if you make any money. Well, yeah, this is the United States government, baby. Al Capone for everything he did for as many people as he murdered. They got him on not paying taxes. Yep. That's the United (laughs) States, baby. You can kill people. You can rape. You can pillage. You don't pay us our percentage. Now we're getting pissed. Yeah. 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 You know, you, you can, you can execute all of the, the violence, murder and theft that you want. But if you don't let the government execute its theft on you, (laughs) watch out. Yeah. It's a system. Um, The one other thing that I pulled out of this particular story from Washington Examiner was uh, uh, a a little note. Again, the paragraph 12, if that means anything, uh, it points out that under Trump, the proposed 2019 IRS budget had called for a reduction in IRS staffing by 2200 employees. They were telling people to clean out their desks back then. Uh, Biden's current budget wants to take the IRS and take its current levels, which never they never did get rid of those twenty two hundred employees. Surprise, surprise. Um, and increase it by five thousand more. Well, so, let's remember under Trump, the in twenty nineteen before covid hit the largest amount of taxes ever taken in by the United States was under Donald Trump in twenty nineteen. Why? Because the economy was good because and businesses a, were thriving. Yeah. The, the biggest that, that the U.S. economy has ever been in history yeah. was t- more than two years ago now. And uh, they were bringing money in. I mean, how did that happen? And I mean, well, well, it, it, it turns out that if you allow businesses to be open without uh, unconstitutional restrictions, then they make more money by being open and, and having customers. You know, and the biggest problem, I know it's, it's the kind of basic economics that is completely lost on on tyrants and governors. But well, and the biggest problem for the United States government for or any government for when you look at cryptocurrency is the fact of, yes, how do we get the tax money out of this system, which occurs? You know, the payments occur, the transfers occur outside of our purview. And that is what we're looking at now, which is why. As we've talked about in the past, I think it is a strong possibility. I mean, I've seen some articles like, you know, Bitcoin, the horses, you know, too much out of the, uh, you know, out of the barn already. And I've had conversations with people on No Agenda Social about that. Like, well, you know, they can't make Bitcoin uh, yeah. illegal because it's too, you know, it's like, no, they can do whatever yeah, they yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. Be- become a real threat to big banking and and we'll see just how much they can do. Yes. I mean, they would have to give you the the time to get rid of your bitcoin because it's like we understand it's legal today do, do they yeah they and they will because otherwise people might actually show up with guns again but if they you, say do you think they would i mean they're nothing else that they've done over the last year and a half has caused anybody to show up with guns you know i think this would because it's just it was kind of like the fbr F, fdr going after gold you had a time period like well if you don't get your gold to us by this you know now it's going to be a felony to be holding it 
You know, so I think there would be, I mean, I don't know how long that time period would be. I don't think it would be long. I think a year would be the long end of it. I, I, you know, you, you probably have a point. I just don't share your optimism in, in the rationality of government that, that you seem to have. Well, I don't think it's rationality. It's also very slow moving, which means the bill would be talked about long before it could get passed and before it could get the presidential signature because it has to go through the house and then the Senate. And you would know by like, oh, crap, this is happening. Bail out but, now. But I can I mean, I can see somebody, you know, somebody like Klobuchar or, or uh, coming out or uh, oh, uh, what the Warren yeah. coming out and saying, you know, what, what isn't isn't it Warren who's who's really anti Bitcoin these days? Well, yeah, but anyway. she's also the one that wants a wealth tax. So she's the one. Well, that yeah, means she, she is. Any money you but, have but sitting there, her. she wants. I could see like, here's how I see it going down is she introduces into or is some bill that just says, you know, all Bitcoin is now illegal. You are not allowed to have it. If you have it, you will be fined in U.S. dollars and also have all of your computers taken away and thrown in jail for uh, repeat offenses. If you do it for two, two transactions in a row or something. And and then they debate it and it would be debated for a month and a half. And there'd be a lot of shouting and and protesting, but nobody would get guns and charge the Capitol because that would be an insurrection, I guess. And uh, it. it then they pass it and Biden signs it. And now uh, Bitcoin transactions would continue on. But if you get caught having them in the United States, then you get your rights taken away. And that continues on for a while. And then Bitcoin would probably flourish in places like Europe and and China and not India. Um, yeah, I don't know, because I mean, India has gone after it. China is going after Bitcoin. Are they? Yeah, they well, they've I shut thought China down like, was just trying to buy it all up. Well, no, they shut down like a whole, there was a whole province that was doing the Bitcoin thing and then they made it illegal because I think it was because of the power consumption and China finally went, no, stop that. Uh, so China's <laughs> going after it. I mean, it's, oh, so Elon got to them. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I know Elon was not a popular figure at the Bitcoin conference in Miami. Yeah, I believe that. Well, it, yeah. And the, I mean, the the podcasting 2.0 episode they're they're probably really uh, recording one right now but last week's podcast 2.0 episode the uh adam was particularly derisive about the people who were like oh well bitcoin takes too much power and it is a legitimate concern with the current state of bitcoin yes and, and there are other cryptos that have way less power consumption bitcoin there, there are solutions to the problem but as it is right now the incentive structure is such that a ridiculous amount of power is used generating Bitcoin blocks. Yeah. And Ethereum is quickly trying to jump into a different lane while keeping the same coin, which is interesting to me. They're trying to change from, uh, you know, the one system to the other, which would be way less power hungry. But that's uh, a proof of stake. Yes. Instead of proof of work, I think is now that the term as all. Yes. And as all this is going on, El Salvador, I mean, not exactly a huge country, yeah. but a country. I, I was just about to try to to segue by asking you if if we needed to talk about El Salvador. Yes, it's now made a uh, Bitcoin. Not all cryptocurrency, just Bitcoin, has been made legal tender in El Salvador, which means that the law of the land is it requires all businesses, although there's an exception, which is those who don't have the technology. Which I mean, there's probably a lot of people. But yeah. <laughs> all businesses allegedly in El Salvador, except those that don't have the technology, whatever that means, 
to accept payment in that, Bitcoin. That would be the ones who still take cash. Yeah, the ones that go. We don't have. Uh, we don't have electric. We don't have a uh, computer. We, uh, you know, don't have a the, smartphone. The 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 crypto adherents, the the crypto maximalists, are losing their freaking minds over this El Salvador thing because they're like, look, see, see, it's going places. I I I read over what is actually happening and what's involved, and I, if. I don't know. Within six months, this is either going to be changed significantly from what they're releasing or it's going to collapse in on itself. Um, so here's here's. Uh, uh, OK, so the from from the article I read in, in Business Insider, uh, quote, the purpose of this law is to regulate Bitcoin as an unrestricted legal tender with liberating power, unlimited in any transaction and to any title that public or private natural or legal persons require carrying out. That's all gar- garbled. but. Uh, the, the word in there, of course, that uh, triggered me was regulate. I don't know if I like the idea of regulating, but OK. Um, as you said, Bitcoin must now be accepted in for payment in goods and services. Uh, they, they noted that you can pay taxes in Bitcoin now. Uh, I, I got to say that right there. Uh, the, the huge advantage is no capital gains. That that's a place that I feel like um, that that was an overreach on on crypto. but. Yeah. Um, but here's where the, the whole system starts to make me go, how do they even do this? Um, they say that Bitcoin will automatically and immediately be converted into us dollars upon use. Uh, they say the government will guarantee convertibility to dollars at the time of the transaction through a trust created at the company country's developmental bank. Yes. Which is one thing I didn't know is that El Salvador had been using the us dollar as their main yes, currency. Their 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 official currency was US dollar. Uh, and now their official currencies are US dollar and Bitcoin. Uh but by the way the reason for that is that uh apparently one of the primary sources of getting money into El Salvador is uh they send workers to seasonal workers to the United States do all the the farming and picking and the things that white people are too good to do anymore I guess uh or 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 just aren't allowed. Uh, or, or, or aren't healthy or, enough to do. Yeah. Or, or more importantly, that, that citizens can't, dubs citizens can't get because the, the farmers can't afford to pay minimum wage. And so they go to under the table jobs of less than minimum wage. But, uh, anyway, uh, so they seasonal workers come up to the U.S. and then send money back. And that's actually a significant form of the input in the El Salvador economy. So I guess it makes sense that U.S. dollar is, is there. But uh, the thing that they're they're getting fleeced on is uh, their uh, the concept of remittance, which I guess is just uh, trying to get money in and out of the country. Um, most of that money ends up going through remittance firms, which are companies, generally foreign companies that will facilitate the transaction of moving money from the U.S. to El Salvador. And they take a percentage and sometimes the percentages are are kind of high. Uh, so one of the reasons for moving to cryptocurrency is they say uh, the cryptocurrency offers in theory, a quick and cheap way to send money across borders without relying on remittance firms typically used. So they're trying to eliminate the middlemen and get rid of the, the high fees of moving us dollars across the border. And I guess my first thought is wait until they see gas prices, right? Wait until right, which is the, what they call the fees on Bitcoin and other crypto, not exactly zero. 
and they could be quite no, high. It, it's, it's quite high. I, I don't know if remittance fees firms are taking 30% or 30 or 40% or whatever it is, but that's about how much you're going to lose in Bitcoin. The other thing that, that, uh, you know, really jumped out at me is, is if you pay for something in Bitcoin, it will quote automatically and immediately be converted to us dollars. And they are uh, using an exchange rate, which is quote set by the market, whatever that means. But if they're using the, the same, like the, the Coinbase transfer rate, uh, what that means is that they now have two currencies that are violently moving up and down versus each other. And I, I mean, you're going to have entire new industries of currency exchanging for arbitrage that is going to completely swamp their economy if they do this. Yeah, like, which, it, it's not an easy thing to pull off because that's what we've talked about for a long time, which is this differing in value between bitcoin and whatever the currency in your particular nation is is a big deal and which is why the stable coins make a lot more sense but of course nobody puts money into the stable coins because they're not making money you know they're yeah. not an investment because you put a million dollars in you get yeah, a million they're, dollars they're designed out. to be a currency and people are like yeah hey, we don't need that yes now the interesting thing i thought was the uh this beach town called el zonte in El Salvador. And I guess this is one of the places where this crypto stuff was originally being tried out in El Salvador. And there's a Chicago connection because there is a company that uh, that's where you're going to exile Lightfoot when you finally put her up against the wall, maybe get her to uh, El Salvador. But there's a company uh, with an app, of course, called Strike, which is a Chicago based startup that's been working with the government in El Salvador on this launch now the ap which was the article i took this from tried to get an interview get some questions answered by strike ceo jack mallers Mm, they said no they weren't interested in talking to the ap (laughs) which is interesting i mean if you're if you're at the forefront of something like this and you're doing everything legit and this is a great thing yeah think uh that you'd want to talk to them they did release a statement saying well well gee what under what circumstances does does a company not want press? Yeah, the, usually there's something bad going on. Now, the statement that they put out was, quote, strikes app is meant to empower people in all countries, broaden the financial system to include those who have been excluded and increase economic opportunity around the world. And that is at the heart of this effort, which is, uh, you know, just another way of saying bullshit, I think. maybe you know uh i I mean i mean somebody who knows what they're doing should should probably be down there helping them build infrastructure because i think that the 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 government of el salvador is is way over their head on this thing so calling in someone who understands it is probably a good idea is strike the right people yeah they may be they may be getting fleeced it says in the article david gerard he wrote the uh, something called attack of the 50-foot blockchain he said that this is all in El Salvador, an artificial demonstration, because this town, uh, which they're calling Bitcoin Beach, which I think is just, you know, great. Um, he said, quote, the Bitcoins are traded inside strike. They don't actually move on the Bitcoin blockchain or anything. So here's what's really going Ooh. on here, which is, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> this is even more intriguing is that you're not really moving bitcoin back and forth onto the actual bitcoin blockchain so you're carrying all the risk of bitcoin without any of the benefits of of it being decentralized or open 
you know, and this is a similar, you know, I thought about it for a minute. I'm like, is this something similar to like the lightning nodes, which is you're moving around Bitcoin kind of, uh, you know, value, but without actually doing it on the, the, the main blockchain. And I'm, I really don't a hundred percent understand well, the, the lightning nodes are are capable of doing that in and they do it in a decentralized way where nobody owns the whole thing. I I I, I got to tell you, the big red flag for me is the idea that no matter what is going on in the strike database, if if the CEO of strike has the ability to reach in and go, you know, we're just going to take 50 percent of everything. Right. Well, that's and, uh, our buddy C. Mike says maybe it's a side chain with Bitcoin that perhaps doesn't exist from the strike app, which is that would be what I would be thinking. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say it, it. It had better be. Uh, it, it needs to be open. It needs to be incredibly transparent, like, uh, more so than I think any Silicon Valley company is capable of these days. And it needs to be built in such a way that nobody can go in and shut things off or you lose the benefits of having a a crypto coin entirely. Right. Because this, I understand kind of, I think the concept, which would be all of the transactions are done, not actually on the Bitcoin blockchain. So this is how we can keep things somewhat stable because this is kind of similar. Now, if, I'm just guessing here, but what the strike app may be doing is recreating what a physical currency would do, which is we know how much Bitcoin we have. We create the currency that people will use. And the Bitcoin is just kind of sitting there. Maybe the people at strike or El Salvador think that Bitcoin just keeps going up, up and up and they get to keep the profits, which would make some sense. I think Um, there are, there are worse scams. Yeah. Which, uh, Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe it's not. But keeping everything in your own app, one thing that could do is let you control whether there are any fees or not, because you don't have to charge fees if you're just moving stuff around within your own and, little magical Bitcoin world that's not really on the Bitcoin blockchain. And and that's a that's a pretty huge hammer that can be used for good or bad. Yes, I I I feel like uh, you know. One of the first things that's going to happen is, is of course, strike is going to go in. And if, if they really are in this position over uh, an entire economy, they're going to go in, they're going to do some rent taking. And if, if they keep it mild, then they're going to be like a, a you know, a Visa or MasterCard and, and become a, a critical part of the infrastructure and be able to farm cash forever. And if they get greedy, then uh, the, the government of El Salvador is going to come in and start regulating them. And that may or may not work out. And, uh, you know, they might be like, okay, you, you have a limit. You can't spend more than this. Or I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I do, I do think that, uh, you know, the, the seem the thing that's going to kill this process more than anything, uh, unless they find a way to rein it in is, is just the incredible variability. Like right. you know, Bitcoin still goes up 20, 25% week over week. And, uh, somebody can make a hell of a lot of money just doing currency exchange in El Salvador after this, just saying, you know, Bitcoin is now down 25%. Let's go buy a bunch of Bitcoin next week. It's up 25%. Now let's go convert it into us dollars. And the, the entity backing it is the, the El Salvador government bank, which means that you're using arbitrage of two different official currencies to effectively backed by the taxpayers. 
Well, the entity backing this this appears to be an anonymous donor, which is even another interesting wrinkle to this. That's interesting. That's not what I heard, but okay. Well, my guess, well, at least on this thing that's going on in Bitcoin Beach with the strike app. Now, I think maybe they didn't consider the fact that Bitcoin was up to what, 60 some odd thousand, then dropped to like 30 some odd. So it almost lost half of its value. And this is where. Yeah. This and if you want kudos down. for donating, wait till it's really high. Yeah. Well, in this case would be, OK, if we were making our own currency and we decided, well, we've got 10 Bitcoin and so we can make our own app and the 10 Bitcoin is worth X amount of money. Well, you didn't really consider that that was going to lose 50 percent of its value over a week or whatever it took. Now, it said here that uh, and this is the guy that wrote the article on, uh, you know, the big bad Bitcoin thing said. This only appears to be working because the donor keeps pumping Bitcoin into the village's ecosystem, saying that's not a proof of concept that this works. It shows you can trade this stuff if you're not trading actual Bitcoins and someone massively subsidizes it. Yeah, it's a lot easier if somebody is uh, taking up the losses. He said the one donor has made three deliveries of $40 converted to Bitcoin for each of the community's 500 families. And then they were trained how to use the application, and that's how they started this with the Bitcoin. Okay, if this is being subsidized, especially if this is being subsidized by somebody who's not willing to give their identity, uh, my prognosis for how long it's going to take before it collapses just got a lot shorter. Yes, and there was a story about a guy who came, because they have ATMs that deal in Bitcoin as well. And there yeah, was a story those, of those exist around here. There's a couple of them in Seattle. Yeah, there's some here, too. I mean, I, they worry me, but uh, I, I've never used it. The uh, the guy came, you know, however many miles with fifty dollars in cash to convert it to Bitcoin. He put it into the ATM and he's you know looked at his receipt and it showed up that forty seven dollars was deposited into Bitcoin. And it's like, oh, you know, there's fees. And we, I didn't think there was going to be fees. It's like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yep. Currency services, there's always fees. Uh-huh. And right there, three on 50 bucks, that would be uh, 6%. And that's a lot higher than you're normally paying things like PayPal or, you know, credit cards now. So, uh, it's, oh, yeah. it's going to be interesting to watch this and see how long there, El Salvador sticks with this. There, there were two other things that, that Reuters pointed out that, um, I, I I pulled out just because they were interesting. Uh, one was the president when uh, making this announcement pointed out, said, uh, well, we'll we're we're going to do government Bitcoin mining fueled by cheap, clean volcano energy. Um, I, I, cheap, maybe uh, I, I clean. <laughs> what definition is a volcano clean? Well, I mean, the, vulca- the volcano's always doing the volcano thing. So, I mean, it's not yeah. maybe adding it, anything because, I mean, it, I'm, I'm well, assuming it's, they're it's, harnessing it's not steam. Something you can, it's not something you can control. Right. I'm, I'm assuming they probably mean geothermal. Right. Harvest but, steam or whatever. But, I mean, they're like, there is a volcano that for for three, four months straight has been going, uh, you know, oozing lava and spewing smoke and CO2 into the air in Iceland uh, since early March. And uh, my my wife keeps showing me pictures of it, and it's very fascinating. The damn thing's a good 400 meters tall now. Uh, I mean, it's there's a lot of liquid rock coming out of the earth in Iceland right now, but uh, there's also a lot of CO2 being released. There's a lot of smoke and soot being released. There's, uh, you know, in in the nearby cities, they're 
there, fortunately, there's no people or, or cities downstream of it. So anything that comes out of the volcano just is going to eventually hit the ocean and uh, it'll take out a road, but that's it. But, uh, the, they're having to clean off their cars because of the soot and smoke. Um, I, these are not clean. The, the volcanoes, uh, a single volcano eruption puts out uh, as much pollution and CO2 into the atmosphere for all you greenies as every car on earth does in a year. So, we don't want to talk about that. That's inconvenient when you mention that something natural going on in the earth causes global warming. But anyway, uh, so, I, you know, they're going to use only the clean part of the volcano energy. Well, I mean, um, I understand so, they're not adding anything by, I mean, they're harnessing yeah, yeah, something yeah. already going on. The other thing that was pointed out by the Reuters article was that uh, adopting Bitcoin, quote, could complicate talks with the IMF. Apparently, El Salvador is in talks with the IMF to get a one billion dollar fund for something or other. Well, wasn't Kamala down there just now trying to give them some money? I'm not sure, but uh, complicating talks with the IMF. My first thought is good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this maybe is how we're paying them off. The IMF is is a corrupt institution that has stolen a hell of a lot of money and is now trickling it out for the purpose of sexual, I mean, political favors. No, thank you. Yeah. You know, and I get the concept like, oh, crypto will save us all. It'll let somebody in Iran send cash to somebody in Indiana. And that's a great thing. And it can be. But, you know, it's not living in a vacuum. There are other things to consider. And I mean, maybe the thing that annoyed me the most, again, mainstream media, so many of these stories going back for a second to the FBI recovering the pipeline funds were like starting out with, oh, it seems Bitcoin may not be as anonymous as people think or untrackable as people think. And it's like, whoever thought that? The the people who bought into the the marketing early on, whereas people said Bitcoin is anonymous, and and when they said anonymous, what they really meant is you don't have to attach your name to the unique, uh, you know, many many digit number right that identifies your wallet forever and can never be changed and can be tracked for every transaction you've ever been involved in. But hey, it, your name is not attached to it unless you make any kind of transaction that right. adds your name to it, and then you're. You're not anonymous ever again. Well, and it's very easy if I create a wallet today and scam a bunch of people out of a lot of money. If I never spend that money, it's nearly impossible to find me. But you know what people do that scam people out of a lot of money? They want to spend, spend that it. money. <laughs> Otherwise, why do it? And and the moment that you use, you know, you you steal 10 bitcoins from somebody and you use five of them to go order a pizza and you have it delivered to your house. Guess what? They've got your address now. Uh-huh. So, yeah, anonymous, sure. But the concept of untrackable, the Bitcoin, the go to the white paper, it's very trackable. It was meant to be trackable. Every damn thing that happens on the blockchain, blockchain. You, you drop into an alt chain like lightning, then there there is a, or or a number of the altcoins that actually do offer an anonymity or, or you know, privacy. Yes. Now like it's a Monero. different story. Yeah. But that is not Bitcoin and that is not. Uh, what you're getting from the story. So, I mean, that's why you listen to grumpy old Ben. So you can have the information. Yes. So, so that people who are smarter than the journalists, although um, almost as uninformed can bloviate much more interesting opinions about it. Right. And we, we at least asked the question. I mean, I've saw yeah. and read enough of this stuff on the, 
Well, they recovered the money. And it's like, why isn't the first question? Yeah, what, we what have is, no idea how. <laughs> yeah. Well, how, like that, that still mystifies me. How do you. Like, is, is somebody going back and rewriting the blockchain and being like, actually, here's what happened? Because I, I would not be surprised. I, I don't know if they have the ability yet, but but at some point, the federal government is going to figure out how to do that. It's like, hey, you know, I know you guys are now 37 new blocks in, but we're going to have to have force everyone to abandon the chain because the official chain. Here's some gaslighting you need to include. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch because I don't think this is uh, I think this is just the beginning. And I think as governments around the world want to get more heavy handed with it. I mean, it's possible to lock them out, but then what ends up happening is you will just have larger and larger penalties if you're caught dealing with the stuff. And then the reaction, I think, for most people is get out and don't deal with it anymore because people don't want to take those kind of risks. And I do believe that this will all coincide magically with a new U.S. government crypto coin that you can put your money into and used to spend on things around the world, including El Salvador. Yeah, that's not ominous or anything. No, not at all. But neither is, I mean, this story and this again, I don't know. This shouldn't surprise me. The it's I guess this happened a few years ago, but Vice had the article on this, which was the woman who was in college at the time took her iPhone into Apple and they sent it out to be fixed somewhere, I guess. I guess Apple doesn't do their own fixing. Who knew? I mean, I yeah. thought I thought they were the only ones that knew how to fix your stuff. But no, same, they, same guy who did Hunter Biden's tech support. Yeah, but this is different. This is Apple. They're the ones like we don't want anybody to touch your device except us because only Apple is smart and, and, enough. And the San Bernardino Police Department, of course, maybe depends if they want to unlock it or not. And I mean, I'm again, this was an article that didn't really explain how this happened. And I can only assume that when you drop your iPhone off. They ask you for your unlock code or something, which I don't know uh, if you're sending this in for a hardware repair. I, I think they actually they, they use the, the biometric and they uh, require you to remove your thumb and leave it with the phone. Oh, well, that makes it much more convenient. They, they just sew it back on then when uh, everything's done. That makes sense. Um, but what happened when the phone was sent out to a third party? who was doing whatever repair on this phone is they were able to activate her phone, get into her accounts. I guess like all good college students, there were uh, nude photos of her on her phone. And uh, they uh, just, as one does as one. Uh, right. No, no, they you do not have to do that. I have never had. I don't understand that kind of photo on my phone or anybody else's phone. But they decided, I mean, rather than. Just being good pervs and going, hey, she's hot. Let's just send the photos to ourselves, or let's yeah, just make a copy does. as one would. Right. If you work for like Geek Squad or something like that, allegedly. I, it, it's it, your fun. Fun fact, when you uh, work for the Geek Squad uh, or, or one of those, um, the pay is pretty low, but you get paid in tips. And in this case, tips is not usually money. It's it's whatever you can find. It's a whole different fun fact Friday than you'll find at funvacfriday.com. Now, what they did, though, was rather than just keeping them for themselves or sending them to their buddies, they posted them because they had her phone 
which I guess, you know, you didn't need any oh, other. OK, now they had no, no. They were Sorry. able to get into her Facebook account because I guess, you know, all everything's stored in your phone. So it's not like you have to log in again or give a pin number when you go into Facebook. I mean, on my phone for th- I mean, you can lock things down, at least on Android. But on my phone, I mean, if you want to get into my banking app, you then have to put in another four digit. I mean, I think you can use like your thumbprint and that. But as we've talked yeah. about, that has other issues and on, as well. On my phone, if you want to get into my banking app, you have to install a banking app. See, there you go. But if you have an app that has an extra step of security that Facebook obviously does not or was not added here, they went into her Facebook account and posted her nude photos to her own Facebook account as her, which I mean, you had to know you were going to get caught. Uh, a, a, a browser? <laughs> You know, I don't uh, I, I mean, I don't get it. So they went into her Facebook account and intentionally posted her photos. I mean, you know that you're the company okay. fixing this and Apple sent it to you. I don't understand how anybody thought they were going to get away with this or why they did it to this woman. Uh, yeah, there's protocols. I mean, yeah. OK, you you spot somebody's nudes. You, you you swipe them for your personal spank bank. You just don't tell anybody this. This is. I mean, that's all perfectly expected behavior for, I mean, that that's how things work, but that, that yeah, crossing a line, putting them out in public. Yeah. On her own, on her own Facebook account. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, that's which, just dumb. Yes. If he, like if you, if you just logged out of her Facebook, logged into your own and posted it, then, I mean, there's a chance that she wouldn't find out, but. You know, and Apple's not commenting. They're not answering our requests for what actually happened here. I mean, I think, again, because of the fact that Apple makes a big deal about the whole, oh, we, we, we'll fix it for you. And this went to a third party company called Pegatron, which I think is just a uh, an interesting company. I don't know. And again, I'm I was kind of confused on how, like with the recovering the Bitcoin, it's like, well, OK, if you have somebody's phone, we've talked about how hard. It is when they were trying to get into the uh, was it the bomber or whatever, one of these uh, terrorist phones. And Apple was like, nope, can't help you. Uh, I wasn't quite sure how they were able to get into her account unless they provided her or she provided with a pin. And if you're sending your phone in, maybe then you would wipe it first or do something like that. uh, Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand how Apple is involved in this at all. I mean, if if there's any big company that should be dragged through the muck over this, it's Facebook. But well, it's because Apple was she gave her phone to Apple, who then sent her phone to these people. Okay, so they they've got uh, they've got a bit of an HR issue. Yes, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. You're right. The the technicians need some retraining. Like, okay, when you swipe the nudes from somebody's phone, don't let them know. I mean, of course, this is immediately people are jumping on this and maybe rightfully so with right to repair. See if she can have only fixed her own phone. And I'm thinking, well, no, if she's dumb enough to leave nude photos yeah, of her I, phone. She's probably not going to be able to. Try. I, I firmly believe that everybody should have the right to attempt repair on their phone. But I am also equally convinced that not everybody has the capability. Yes. And in this case, probably that. And, uh, you know, right. Right to repair means that she should have had the right to take it to some private independent store and have them steal her notes instead. Um, You know, the, the bottom line would be, I mean, I guess if your phone is so borked that you can't reset it first, you know, and I guess that's possible. Although 
you know, for most hardware issues, unless it's, you know, you broke off something in your lightning port and that's not working for an Apple device, you should be able to plug it in. I mean, if even if your screen is on non-functioning, you should be able to plug that into your uh, PC or MacBook or whatever and reset the phone. And if you need to send it in for hardware, that would I mean, be. You, uh, you can take a hammer and reset the phone, too. Although, I mean, it's going to be harder to get it repaired at that point. <laughs> But but it will be reset. But it might be easier just to buy a new phone as yeah. well. Than- and, and and if a new phone didn't cost twelve hundred dollars, then that might be a reasonable choice. You know. Well, then yeah, there are some that are more expensive I mean, than others. You know, well, like an Android phone that uh, a decent low end Android phone that gets everything that you need and runs apps is going to cost you what two fifty. But if I mean, if you have to go get that iPhone again, it's going to cost you a full stimulus check. Yeah. And I loved the ZTE phone that I used for a couple of years. It was a little clunkier. I mean, it was a little more square, you know, not rounded off edges, but it had fantastic audio on it, which meant more to me than most things. And it was snappy and it was no issue whatsoever. And I think we bought that for like 350 bucks unlocked, which is about what a phone should go for. Yeah, I don't understand the paying a yeah, thousand to whatever, fourteen, fifteen hundred now some of these are up to. I yeah. mean I get why people fall for it because Because Apple. Well not well no, it's the Samsung has some that are just yeah. about as much. But well people pay way too much for Samsung phones because Apple also. Well they I'm leaving I'm leaving this on Tim's doorstep too. Uncle Tim, but it's because the phone companies all let you pay over like two and a half years now so you're breaking this up over like 30 months so it's like oh it's you know fifteen hundred dollars well fifteen hundred dollars seems like a lot of money but if it's broken up on my bill over 30 months well that's only fifty dollars a month that seems like a bargain and it uh, seems like a lot of money it does it does i love the fact i mean we're, we're paying for uh, an iphone yeah. we had to get my dad as a replacement which was the cheapest iphone se on uh for, I think it was like three hundred and fifty, maybe three ninety nine through Xfinity, um, which wasn't bad. But otherwise, um, our bill would be down to like the forty bucks. We, a month. We, have, we have we have four people on Xfinity Mobile with handsets that are all paid off. Mine is four years old, and I think that uh, for four people, we're paying like eighteen dollars a month. Yes, it's beautiful. And you know, it's, the only the only time that bill ever goes up is when Bemlet ends up using way too much data, and then he he cuts us a check, and it's all good. You're like Bemlet. Don't stream porn on mobile data. Yeah, Wi-Fi, connect, buddy. Connect the Wi-Fi when you're. Yeah, yeah. It's always always connect to Wi-Fi when doing that. Actually, it's not usually porn. It's usually Disney movies. Oh God, that's even worse. Uh, such as such as being the parent of a small child. Yes, they're just. <laughs> I just wanted them to be quiet in the back seat. But uh, yeah, the takeaway here is don't put your nude photos on your device. And if you do, and it needs to be fixed, if you can't wipe it, <laughs> thermite, baby thermite uh, okay I'll, I'll go with the second part of that the the don't put porn on your device seems that that seems like a little too much that's, I, that's I don't want too heavy-handed yeah, for you let's, let's not ruin the fabric of society here I, I forgot you're the guy that's like hey let me see your phone yeah and you're not trying to set it to the uh, korean language I, I, i'm not setting yeah i'm not setting the russian language on it i'm just like hey you got any pictures i can you know air, airdrop to myself right you got anything good hey you never know what's going to be on the phones Yes. It's a beautiful so, thing. So, um, 
I went and and I, I I hate myself for doing this, but I went ahead and uh, went through because it was slightly fascinating the new Apple Store guidelines that they released, um, and uh, I, I I was going to go over and get sarcastic about a bunch of them if if you wanted to go through that, or we can go to experts, or I can talk about vigilante apps. Oh, I like sarcasm and then experts. Okay. Uh, okay, so Apple had their big announcement. In fact, I think their announcement was on Monday because right. we we were seeing uh, a CSB who one uh, of the what are our greatest experts on this show, uh, but felt it necessary during the last show to post and announce that he was going to tune out of Grumpy Old Ben's to go watch the Apple announcement. So screw you for that. Yeah, but you know but- what's even worse? You know he watched the Apple announcement via twit so it was leo sitting there going hey let's watch the apple announcement and i'll tell you what they're saying Uh, i you know there's no accounting for taste but apple did have an announcement they announced a bunch of things that nobody should care about and people will lots of people you know one of the easy things about this particular story is that it was so incredibly easy to find sources uh i got uh you know Apple Insider. I got something from nine to five Mac, got something from the Verge. Uh, They all wanted to talk. So it made it easy to compare notes. Yeah. Big news Uh, here. Yeah. Well, you know, Apple says anything on stage. It's huge news. But, uh, you know, the the, a new virus is developed in a in a lab in China and nobody crickets. But anyway, uh, quick rundown on the things that uh, have changed, the new rules that have changed for the App Store. Uh, apps that support account creation must also support account deletion just as easily. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. New rules requiring that developer identities are accurate and up to date. That I said we didn't have that. Before. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, did you, which again, we've talked about this a lot in the past. They're not really checking, you know, yeah, if your they, check clears. There's a number of these that are very clearly meant to address the, the, the scourge of scam apps that seem to be to have taken hold. Uh, apps must, uh, oh, uh, apps must quote, provide adequate utility to be accepted. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure what that means yeah, other than either. it's, it's a bullshit reason to say to, to throw apps out of the store and reject them for any reason whatsoever. Um, but, uh, in the same category, uh, drinking games has now been added to a list of saturated or spam categories, which I didn't know that Apple had a, a list of categories of apps that they will not accept anymore because they say the category is saturated, uh, including fortune telling, dating, fart and burp apps, <laughs> flashlight apps, Kama Sutra. <laughs> Fletcher, stop all your app development. Yeah. What? Yeah. I, I mean, that pretty much cuts out everything in Hog Story, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so all of these categories will be auto rejected unless they provide a quote, unique, high quality experience. Um, I, I, <laughs> wait, I, I tell wait, you wait. what, I, I, a fart app that can provide a unique, high quality experience. I might try downloading. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I want, I want to know how this definition is going to be used and we'll have to see. Oh, you're being called out for not, not that CSB didn't watch the announcement, but you're being called out because you said it was with Leo. It was somebody else. No, it says he says he watched it directly from Apple. Oh, well, that was better. CSB better. <laughs> it's still far less interesting than GOB, in my opinion. But what do I know? We're just here to entertain and enlighten. 
Your app experience must be iOS specific. You are not allowed to have names, icons, or brandings of other mobile platforms. You're also not allowed to have any cross-platform apps anymore. Um, I, I don't know how my, I mean, there was already rules about that. I don't know, how, but there are a lot of people who want to make cross-platform apps. And you know, I always thought good. a lot of these apps were nothing more than glorified web pages. That the app was nothing more than kind of opening up a browser and giving you yeah, a. Uh, and- HTML5? And you need different icons depending on which app opens it, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's see. They will now consider customer complaints when deciding if the code of conduct is being followed by a developer, uh, including stick, strict prohibitions on manipulated reviews. They didn't have this before. Uh, Apple will remove apps for, quote, misleading marketing outside the app store even. Um, th- I mean, this is all about the scam app problem, but which is what blows me away is how, how could you not have been like, uh, okay, well, first of all, things that go on outside the app store, I, I, I don't like that. That's, that's a cancel culture thing. Well, how do you police it? And then how do you know it's actually the company doing it? Not somebody trying to hurt the company. Right. You, you police it selectively. This is not, this is not a rule that they're going to create a, a department for enforcing. This is a rule that is a, a one of many things in the toolbox for saying, when I want to cancel you, I need a selection of stuff that I can pull out and make it look official instead of just making it look arbitrary that I'm canceling you. So, I mean, this is misleading marketing is, is such a, a vague and easily reinterpretable term. So. All marketing is uh, misleading. That's the whole point of marketing. <laughs> uh, Carl would disagree. <laughs> Come on, Carl. Come back on and talk to me. I'll give you the tough questions. Right. I I didn't even grill him on marketing. I got so much crap for doing it the first time. I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to stay away from that one. It, it was a great conversation anyway, though. I really liked talking to him. Uh, they have tighter restrictions on porn, including uh, they are now banning uh, any pics in hookup apps or anything that facilitates prostitution. Which aren't all hookup apps prostitution in one way, shape, I or form. I feel like all hookup apps are facilitating prostitution one way or another. But uh, and murders occasionally, according to one of the uh, yeah. other stories we had. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that might be that. Is that the citizen story? There was a uh, the football player from Virginia. Okay, different story. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, looser restrictions on pharmacies and cannabis dispensary apps. If if cannabis is legal where you are, and the app can confirm that, then now uh, you're going to be able to have uh, a weed app. I, I mean, progress. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's again with things that are legal, you should be allowed to make an app. There's, I don't know why that should be, uh, you know, a crazy thought. I, I mean, you don't have to I, agree, I agree with it. I, I think you should be allowed to make an app for a lot of things that Apple doesn't offer, but or allow. But uh, I kind of feel like they are uh, a monopoly. Which I'm, I'm with Tim Schaefer on that one. Uh, which, by the way, on the topic of the uh, Epic lawsuit. The the reporter from The Verge had to bring in pointing out that, uh, according to Apple, Roblox is still not a game. Um, and there's a little bit of history with this. I touched on it when we were talking about the Epic lawsuit. I, are you familiar with the Roblox issue? No. OK, so Apple uh, does not want to allow apps like Stadia or xCloud or or any. They don't want to allow any apps that stream games. They don't want to allow any apps that that provide a game store experience in the app. Uh, you know, Stadia is one of the big ones. 
so Apple made a rule that said every game in a collection must be individually approved, which is completely impossible if you're running a game store in your app. Because then every every game that you add to the, the Stadia app or to the Epic store or whatever would need to be individually. It, it, it's not feasible. Um, but people quickly pointed out that Roblox is a collection of games and isn't individually approved. And so at the Epic trial where that was pointed out, Apple argued that Roblox is not a game. And in fact, the uh, the CEO of Roblox in in between pointing out all of the game like features of Roblox said, well, you know, Apple's decided that they're going not going to identify or categorize it as a game. So so we're we're just an entertainment app that you can uh, play some things on that like might look like Gand. I mean, anyway, he played it off. So uh, the, the Verge reporter had to point out that uh, Apple's policies still continue to point out Roblox is not a game. I, I don't know. I, the, the entire Apple versus Epic trial, which is not currently still going on, but the, the judge is still thinking about things uh, is uh, like with a lot of, of lawsuits, the, the, the tortured logic is just fascinating to me to see what, what they can try to get away with claiming. Well, you can claim anything and they do. And quite often the judges very much like the mainstream media don't understand the technology. So it becomes really hard. I mean, I don't know. If there's ever been any thought into, you know, judges, if they're going to sit and hear cases that are tech based, that maybe they should either have to take some classes first or have tech experts that could help, you know, sit there with them during the trial. And if well, somebody says something, I mean, like if they had, a, if a judge had a Sir Bemrose sitting right behind him and somebody just gave a bunch of buzzwords, you could just lean in the judge's ear and be like, bullshit (laughs) the the idea sounds good but it opens up for a a bias in terms of who is choosing what the expert is and uh, and the the way the system is supposed to work is is probably one of the most fair which is that if you if you need the judge to understand a technology then the lawyers involved will bring people who are presumably experts in their field to tell how the technology works and everybody's under oath and nobody ever lies in a courtroom. No. So in theory, if you, you know, and, and if, if there's two ways something can be interpreted, then you'll have one side bringing an expert, interpreting it their way. And one side bringing an expert and interpreting it the other way. And they're both making their arguments and giving it the, whatever education in theory, that's how the judge is supposed to be educated on things. Um, some judges are, uh, easier to educate than others. And some lawyers are really, really crap about uh, getting people to explain. And some experts are really, really biased. So it doesn't always work correctly, but it, it's probably the fairest way that it can be done. I guess that makes sense. But it would be nice if uh, people that were sitting and listening to these cases and having to judge. I mean, I guess it's a little different if you have a jury, but uh, it'd be nice if the judges had a little more information but i mean i get it i i I, they've got wikipedia what more do you want not everybody can be an expert on everything but we've got some (laughs) not not everybody no and uh before we get into our experts i did want to mention a conversation that was had over on no agenda social that i thought was informational maybe maybe a little cryptic maybe we need to unpack which was uh, oh boy somebody named tito till said 
he did a poll. Should John C. Dvorak bring cranky geeks back in value for value audio format? And our buddy Tri Husker said, especially if he teams up with Darren O'Neill and Sir Bemrose, which was like, oh, that that could be an interesting idea. And uh, yes, I, I heard that we got the formula all wrong. Exactly. I made the comment that said we've already admitted to stealing the cranky geeks model to which John C. Dvorak responded, quote, you do not know the real model. Dot, dot, dot. That seems ominous. That seems. Well, uh, OK, then. It, well, OK, so the two ways I can go with that one. First of all, it's obvious that we're not using the real model because we're not swiping their show wholesale. Correct. And I, I think that's reasonable. Uh, that doesn't mean we don't know it. It just means we're not using it. But the other question, if I take what he said at face value, then what that means is is that they didn't use the model either because nobody knows about it. Because I, I don't know about you. I watched a lot of Cranky Geeks. Yes. I think you did too. Yes. And so if they brought the model to that show, then we, we've got a pretty good idea what the model is of the show that they did. If that's not the model that of the show that they meant, then they screwed it up too. Maybe. Because, yeah, Cranky Geeks and Dignation were the first two video i mean forget youtube wasn't even around then right or was it uh, right about the time maybe youtube was coming I, I, out I, I, I mean when i first started watching it was around the same time as justin.tv yeah and i'm not talking the the network i'm talking it was a guy named justin who was carrying a camera attached to his chest and every, everywhere he walked I, he was like you know there was no twitch but he was the first live streamer who just streamed everything in his life and uh, this seemed like the most retarded thing I had ever seen. And how little did I know that it would pretty much, you know, harm be, you know, it would, it would herald a new generation of people who uh, take porn selfies and leave on the phone for Apple to find. Now, I, I will give kudos to uh, Sir Honey Badger, who responded to John saying, you do not know the real model with. And if he did, he would become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> And I said, okay, look, we don't have guests on every show. We sometimes talk very little about tech. We don't do video and we don't stick to 30 minutes. I said, maybe we don't know the model. So please join us to set us straight. Help us, John C. Dvorak. You're our only hope. You're our only hope. You're our only hope. Do you think that would even be enough? I mean, is there any hope? I don't know. There's always hope. CSB says no, but I think there is always hope. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think there may be. The, the biggest difference between Grumpy Old Ben's and Cranky Geeks beyond the video factor, and the video factor was great because Dvorak was a perfect ham when throwing the cards, doing the David Letterman thing, giving the, you know, just giving the proper facial expression to the oh, camera. Yeah. I, he put on a show, the the likes of which I don't think I'm capable of at, the, of at this point in my career. Yeah. And uh, I mean, really, this is why we need some video for uh, for not maybe not every no agenda. But every now and then, a video episode could be very, very telling, very interesting. But, I mean, of course, it's a three-hour show, so that's a little bit harder to do. Uh, Cranky Geeks I always liked because it was, like, dead black behind everybody, so it was very easy. You didn't have to do any special decorating to try to recreate that look. And there was a TV, of course, a monitor behind them. And uh, although the one thing was they seemed to have people like uh natalie del Conte on every now and then they, they did bring attractive women on the show which were something we're totally missing out on with no video we've had carolyn yes but we don't we didn't have video 
We've even had DC Girl. I know, but still no video. Which part of no video we, are you we've missing? We've even had Cold Acid on. Oh, well, did we have video of him? Maybe. I, I hope not. I don't, I don't want to misgender him, but uh, yes, John. We're, I mean, we, we can only guess at the model unless you can help us out, and we certainly hope that you can. But we do have some experts who came in monetarily to support Grumpy Old Benz for this episode. Our executive producer, first and foremost, our buddy C. Mike in Kansas City, who wanted me to read you his uh, banking account, his address, his uh, social security number and everything. He wanted to be doxxed. I don't know why. Did did he send any pictures that we could go ahead and upload to his Facebook? Yeah, and he, he sent his Facebook uh, password. He sent his oh, uh, bank's uh, PIN number. I mean, I don't know. Oh, just send your phone and your thumb along with it. We'll get the rest out of that. It works. He came in with $48.43. Which is, again, as they talk about a no agenda, make it into a number that means something to you. Well, in this case, the there was a BTW from C. Mike who said the donation amount is gooeyed. And I'm like, well, why didn't I didn't understand? Uh, good. <laughs> no, I'll, I mean, maybe it's good. Like graphical user interface, I think. No, uh, GUID. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, when I see GUID, it's glo- uh, global unique identifier. It's a. Uh, a concept in uh, in creating unique keys in in computer science, so that you can have two computers and he trying to create random numbers that that don't conflict. That the pronunciation of which is as contentious as spaces versus tabs with you uh, with that your programmer one is types. True, yeah. But I've always said GUID. Now GUID. But, but, but then again, I, I I at work at Microsoft, I had to resist it when they decided in every API to suddenly change it to UUID. I don't know why C Mike is thanking you. Don't thank him, C Mike. It only encourages him. But forty eight forty three on the old telephone keypad is four eight four three G U I D. Oh, oh, well, there we have it. You come up with the magical numbers and then what, what we need then we need to come up with some uh, some kind of a controversial acronym that is a lot longer, <laughs> which adds a few zeros yeah, I mean, or whatever. But he said in the note value for va- value for Bemrant value. The mandatory update screed was entertaining. That said, I just presume auto updates are for bug fixes because devs don't test. I, I that's a, that's a reasonable assumption in most cases. I think that's true most of the time. Could be. And I mean, we're, we're all testers now. We are all testing for yes. Microsoft and a variety of other companies. And as we've talked about, the Internet is what had this, what made this happen, because now they don't need to test and then send it out. Because before the Internet, if somebody's software broke and then they couldn't just push an update instantaneously, people got mad. Yeah. Just just I take off and nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Yeah. It's the only thing we can do. So thank you, C. Mike. We appreciate it. Coming in at $33, the man, the myth, the legend, Sir Gene. Wow. Didn't send any you note. You were kidding. No, he didn't send any note or anything. So I figured I would just mention that he has a podcast called Sir Gene Speaks. And lately he's been yes. doing a lot of interviews with some a, interesting a, people. A lot of the interviews, if if you want to follow the podcasting 2.0 things, you know, we here on grumpy old Benz, we we've been kind of mentioning it and uh, and we talked about it a few times and we make fun of it because i mean, because we make fun of everything but if you really want to follow a, a lot of the people involved in the podcast 2.0 space the sergene has had a whole series of interviews recently where he 
goes in with the developer of a particular app or a particular site or technology and just deep dives, not, you know, not only on the, the, the standard interview things of, Hey, who are you? How's life? What's your sex life like? But uh, trying to go in pretty deep on, on the technology they developed. And there is some excellent information about the, what is going on in podcasting 2.0. If you want to sit through an interview series and uh, unlike grumpy old Ben's, his shows are generally less than an hour. So you can, you can get through them without having to dedicate an entire commuter three. Now, the first interview he did was with a guy named Defango, which was the guy behind uh, Gitmo.life, I believe, which has disappeared. Somebody let Adam know. I posted that in the back channel the other day because he's still pimping. Gitmo.life is one of the alternate places you can go for a Mastodon instance that would be federated. I don't know why I didn't really read into everything, but that has been killed. Gitmo.life no longer exists, uh, but that was the first guy he interviewed. I was the next you know, second. So, I mean, I guess I was sloppy seconds for Sir Gene. But and you were way down the line. But, you know, there's a couple good interviews in there. Yes, I, I was so far down the line that his first question to me during the interview was, how come you're so difficult to schedule? I mean, he could have just he, he could have just stopped with, why are you so difficult? And yeah, well, have, there's that. That would have been much easier. But and, uh, and, and I would have I would have probably given the same sarcastic, angry response that I did. Yeah. What? Like none of your damn business because I got a life. What? But we thank Sir Gene for his yes, donation. $33, the magic number. We appreciate it. And also, somebody we've mentioned on the show coming in next, Comic Strip Blogger with the point zero 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 three three Bitcoin donation. Which okay, I, I, Every single person I make fun of in this show seems to be turning out to be an expert. Am I going to am I gonna start having to censure myself? To, well, it's kind of like, like the cold acid thing. I mean, you were always like, well, why are you making fun of cold acid? I'm like, because the more did, I did do... I, I made fun of cold acid on this show. Did he donate to? Okay. No, anyway, he, he does every month. So, I mean, it's yeah, a recurring donation. I mean, if we start seeing Sir Gene in coming in every month, we'd mention his show a lot more. Podcast.surgene.com. Where is where you can find that uh, CSB. Uh, now, since Bitcoin went up, he, he hasn't been able to send us in the point zero zero three three Bitcoin. So he added the extra zero, but we still appreciate that. It was 1132 when it came in was like 12 something today so it goes up it goes down now he is he is the most interesting podcaster out there because he is the only podcaster i know who doesn't want anybody to hear his voice so he does the content and then it, has somebody the else do of it. it yeah with the end he has somebody else then yeah reread or reperform the content which is guiff who i guess is getting married i just saw this on no agenda social the DC girl was very surprised Gwyf found somebody to marry him or something. I don't know. Or oh, I'm sorry. That was Shebang. That was very surprised Gwyf found a mate. That was kind of mean, Shebang. But, I mean, we're all surprised. I mean, let's be honest. But he's the guy that's reading CSB's podcast for him. He's performing. He is taking the thoughts from CSB's mind and yes, vocalizing he's, he's them. He's the talent. Yes. But CSB is is the writing, the 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 person behind the scenes who does all the work but gets no credit and csb just like i or me the you picked a you picked a title that was hard to do because you can find his podcast at https anchor.fm slash about dash ai i mean the dash always gets everybody it just rolls off the tongue it does i mean why, why isn't this linked from like comicstripblog.com slash podcast that would be better csb work on that but it's about AI 
I haven't listened to any. CSB.com. Tell me, tell me you've got that. That's, it's hard. It's a three letter one. Um, that would cost more, but it's about artificial intelligence and that's CSB's line. I haven't listened to any of these yet. So I'll have to check it out. I mean, hey, if you want to let I, me know I've how listened. it is. They're, they're also very short. They're, they're pretty much a rundown of AI news, uh, for it. it Seems to come out every two weeks. There's four of them so far, and uh, I've listened to three of those. Uh, Fifteen minutes long, really. Uh, I mean, pretty easy to get through. And uh, information about AI news that I never would have thought to go uh, look up. If if I were a, a lot more into AI programming, this is the kind of thing that I would be bringing to this show and boring you with. But instead, CSB has got you covered. Beautiful CSB anchor.fm slash about dash AI. Somebody get him a better uh, URL coming in at 10 bucks. Our buddy Keith Von Dyke. And that's a monthly thing. We appreciate that coming in at 10 bucks. Our buddy Steve E also a monthly thing. We appreciate that. And coming in at five bucks, D E meet us of the fun fact Friday podcast of meet us pod of a bunch of other shows that he does. That you can all find by going over and, to com. I have been asked by uh, a higher power to inform Metis that the next volley is on its way. No, no, we've already saw the picture of the Dogecoin. Oh, did we? Okay. Yeah. And he thanked Dame Bemrose over on uh, No Agenda Social. Yeah, I was actually supposed to mention that last uh, Friday or Thursday. There was a picture of Alila with the Dogecoin. So that was uh, this was in response to him sending everybody Joe Biden coins, huh? Yes. Yes, he started it, and and my wife is is now considering this a blood feud to be continued indefinitely. I think. But the Dogecoin was actually kind of cute. And yes, he, it was. He, had, he had just made a bunch of money on Dogecoin. I mean, it, that's that's like being nice. The Biden coin, I kind of took the other way. Uh, <laughs> no, no, the the Biden pencil holder was the one you take the other way. Hey, now, yeah, you're not doing this right. Send me to something else or check out his stuff. Funfactfriday.com, and we appreciate everybody. For supporting Grumpy Old Ben's, this is a show we bring to you twice a week. There's no paywalls. We don't demand you pay money up front, but we say, hey, if you got some value out of the show, send some value back to us. Hey, we're, we're hardworking podcasters here. We've made it as easy as we can. GrumpyOldBen's.com slash donate. All the information you need is there. There's a donate button for PayPal. There's QR codes and wallet addresses for crypto. And there is the P.O. Box address. All of those you can use to support the grumpiest podcast in the universe. I didn't get any Doge coins. I mean, I would Cody? rather just get some. Well, no, not anymore. I, I would rather have the physical <laughs> coin, I think, than. Yeah, I think the physical coin is worth more now. Yeah, there's some so, crazy stuff out there in the coins. I mean, there's a bunch yeah. of places you can buy them that, you know, the normal gold and silver type places. But there's some very interesting coins being minted. So there were there were two more things in the Apple Store guideline thing, but I kind of pushed them off because both of them could become the the lead into completely separate stories. Uh, one of these was uh, a reiteration uh, of di- quote digital gift cards, which must go through the Apple in app purchase uh, system and pay the apple tax no matter what the clarification everybody pointed out that oh well apple is being so magnanimous because they're not requiring that physical gift cards go through the in-app purchase but um they are they are really cracking down on anybody who offers any kind of a, a digital payment system that doesn't pay their apple tax right they don't uh, want you to be able to pick up a card at your local best buy and then 
just enter that number in through exactly. your Apple app. They want they still want a percentage of that then. Yeah, they well they're perfectly happy if you do that as long as you pay Apple 30% of the value of the card. Oh, which I I, I, yeah, I don't need to go into how much I think is it's highway robbery for Apple to do that, but uh, I might anyway. Um but the the big story that came up, I saw this one on uh I think the Verge. Um, oh, I, my, my link is MSN because that it makes it so much easier to read these stories when MSN reformats them. Um, but, uh, was an app called fan house, which is kind of only fans, but not porn. Uh, it's, it's people going, I, I honestly don't know what people are doing on fan house, but pe- other people are paying attention and wanting to pay people. So it is, it is an app that facilitates people, uh, giving money to people who, Go on fan house and have fans. So if, if, if you had a Darren O fan house account and I was your fan, I would want to give you $10 fan house would take $1 of that. They have a 10% fee and you'd get $9. Well, Apple canceled the fan house app because what Apple wants is I give $10, $1 goes to fan house, $3 goes to Apple and you only get six. And there are a lot of people who have made living in fan house. And are saying, if Apple did this, then I would have to get a second job because I would lose. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not great at basic math, but I'd say about 30% of your income. Yeah. And well, it, it's, I mean, one, it's crazy like that people make money doing some of this stuff and make full time livings, but that's beside the point. In in it, this it, case, it is. It's fascinating. But, it, you know, if you get it where you can. Yeah. Well, and in this case, it's like, okay, if you're making money, on a platform that somebody created and they're taking 10%. Why does Apple think they should take 30 just to have it on? Now I can understand Apple saying, we're going to take 30% of whatever you decide to make. So if you're the app people and you're charging 10, Apple's like, well, we want 30% of your 10, but it's like, okay, they're taking 10% and you're like, yeah. And then we want 30. Yeah. No, thanks. I, I, it feels like greed to me. And, uh, I, 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 for one, and I understand that this is not a very common thing amongst the, the a- Apple filators out in the audience, but I don't think that Apple needs that money. I feel like they're doing all right without stealing that kind of money from, from creators. Well, they're so, telling you they need the money in order to keep you safe from the bad outside world. And we've already seen proof every week that yeah. they're not doing a good job at that. Uh, yeah. That argument might even float if they were doing it. Uh huh. But agreed. Uh, but yeah, so uh, there is, and and I think that this is this is just starting. Apple is going to come uh, headlong into a real argument with creator apps, and in this case, Apple cannot choose the high ground. They can't say, "Oh, well, we're we're screwing all of these YouTubers and and you know little people out of thirty percent of their income because we're keeping them safe or something like." I, I, there is no high ground in. In taking somebody who is barely scraping by uh, is, is, and, uh, you know, podcast level of subsistence and saying, oh, yeah, we're just going to steal 30% of your income because there, there's, I don't see how this could be anything but a PR nightmare for Apple if they keep pushing it. Well, so because we'll it doesn't what make happens. sense. I mean, because if we had a grumpy old Ben's app, which again could be nothing more than a glorified we do. It's called your browser right well that's what i'm gonna say it would be nothing more than a glorified browser 
then, you know, I don't really understand how they think they should take 30% of all of the donations that would come in. But then again, we don't take donations through the app. Although, if your app was opening in a glorified browser, then our donation link is in there. And then that yeah. is in an and, app. And under this policy, if if we, if if Grumpy Old Ben's had a presence on iOS, under this policy, Apple would want to take 30% of all the donations that you just read from experts. Yeah. See, Mike says it's just web browsers and drag, which I think that <laughs> yes. may be accurate. Uh, uh, but which so is the, why there's a lot of people that recommend. I mean, you don't have there's no need to actually produce an app in the Apple App Store. You no, can have a web page. Well, you can write and you can have a web page that is going to do what the app would. And then you tell people just to set that as a link because you can still set an icon to that and put it on your Apple home screen that when you click on it, it looks like it's an app because it just opens up the browser and that would do exactly the same thing. And that's the way to get around the whole Apple thing is you don't need to be listed in the Apple store. I mean, crap, nobody needs that. Oh, yeah. We just want to tell grumpy old Ben's fans, you know, if you're using Apple devices, then just go to this link whatever it may be, and then just add that to your homepage. And that's as good as an app. And then you don't have so, to worry about paying Apple. The The second big thought that I had when when I read the the uh, digital gift cards is if, if Apple is expanding or is interpreting their 30% policy to include all monies that would be passed through the app in any possible way digitally, um, how much longer is it before Apple comes out and says, we actually want 30% of all of your crypto if you're using a crypto wallet? Well, that's what we discussed here when it came to the podcasting 2.0 stuff, because you're loading up wallets with crypto. And it's going to be interesting to see how Apple deals with these. Because they're going to be like, well, well, if you're putting $50 worth of crypto into a wallet on your podcasting app so you can send that to other people, well, Where's our 30%? And and I would like to think that Dave Jones is is right when he he claims uh that if Apple does that they're shooting themselves in the foot. I just don't think that that would stop them from doing it. They have to get about 3 or 4 bullets in like lose a few toes before they go, "Huh, the backlash is worse than we thought and the pain is is noticeable. Maybe we'll carve out an exception." Well, as we talked about in the last episode and I think I put four different links or so in the show notes in the United States, Apple is over half. It seems of this mobile devices being used. So I, they have a lot of room to play with, which is why they can just keep pushing stuff. You know, if Apple was down to only, you know, 15 or so percent of the market, they would have to be a lot more careful about who they're angering. But these policies that they have as crazy as they seem to people paying attention, the people just keep buying them and using them. So, you know, well, I, I, I think if 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 nothing else, COVID has proved in us just how many people are completely stupid out there. Yeah, they're uh, and they're not willing to do the homework. And that's it. I mean, you could still find sources that are wrong about things, but I don't think people even look into most of this stuff. And you can tell when you have arguments with people and all they start giving you are headlines, then, you know, you you need to eject because you're never going to get anywhere. But, you know, I mean, there are people who do a lot of research into stuff, and then you have to believe the stuff that you're, you know, listening to or reading, and that becomes a little bit trickier. But in the case of Apple here, I mean, I think you're right. 
it's 100% greed. It is not, oh, we just need the money in order to make you safe. No, 30% is no, they, extreme. They, they, their company is is worth more than a trillion dollars. They don't need the money. <laughs> and it's extreme. I mean, that is 30% is not a legitimate percentage. Now, if Apple was doing something that was more along the lines of what credit card processors do. Now, if Apple was like, well, you know, if you're going to be making money through the app in any way, shape or form, we the, want two or three percent. I don't think the, anybody would care. The, the credit card processors have, have become some of the largest and most uh, invasive companies on the planet at only three percent. I think that, you know, they're doing all right. But yeah, yeah, they're not going bankrupt. I don't I don't understand how but Apple uh, the fans keep buying it because people know then if you want your app to be in the app store and a lot of people do because that's the only way for people on Apple to be able to get your content allegedly then uh, you're paying the price which it's the same yeah. thing as we talked about with restaurants which are making about 30% on a good day on an order and then come in these delivery services that charge you 30% to deliver it. And you're like, why are you even doing this business? You're breaking even or losing money. But the companies do it because it's like, well, we want to keep our employees busy. It's, <laughs> it's nuts. I, I, I mean, it, okay. It's altruistic. Yeah. It might not be rational, but you, sure. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, Apple wants to. They, I mean, they're trying to move into. They want to be your bank. They want to be uh, you know everything. They, they they want they want thirty percent of the whole economy. I I think it's too greedy. But what do I know? Hey, you know, if they were charging a reasonable percentage, they could have it, and nobody would complain. It's the thirty percent I think that really gets people. And I think so. I think so too. You know, if that number was a little bit more reasonable, or you know, as Epic I, pointed out, and we have pointed out, if there was an alternative way. To get people yeah. your app on their phone, then, like, like the Epic Store that charges twelve percent, right? That would you know you'd at least have a choice, and you can go, hey, do I want to pay them twelve percent or Apple thirty? And then we know where people would probably go. Although you would still lose people who don't know that the Epic Store exists, because that's also the other issue when it comes to the monopolies and well, that's but that's a marketing challenge, right? Oh yeah, I I, I people take people choose Apple. Because they think that it's more convenient and things just work. And uh, I, I'm not convinced how much that's still true compare you in uh, 15 years ago when Apple completely nailed the 80% of users experience and the, the, I, I'm not technical. I just want my computer to work for me. And Microsoft was still fucking around with actually caring what power users think. And they made everything difficult because they suck at UI. Yes. It made sense that people jumped ship to Apple. And then Steve jobs came up and said everything. It just works. And people believed him because he was Steve jobs. And, and so it makes sense. It, Dev, Apple got a reputation for everything just works correctly and I don't have to think about it. And I don't know how much it's deserved. They still have that reputation. I think there's a little bit of that still there. But I tell you what, you pay for convenience and and it looks like these days you pay a lot. You pay 30% for convenience. Well, through the apps. I mean, there was a time where if well, you, you were somebody... You and you don't think the iPhones are 30% more expensive than everything out there that isn't Samsung? Who wants to be iPhone? No, they're very close, I think. But it used to be the 
you know, if you were a creator doing things like Photoshop and web creation and that, there was a brief period of time where the Apple operating system was easier to use. It was quicker to render things. And that I think has now gone by the wayside. I use Android and Apple products now because, well, we got the iPhone free. We talked about that here recently. And I don't find the Apple UI to be any better than the Android. If anything, it's the opposite because Android. And again, I understand I'm a little bit more technically knowledgeable so I can make my phone do what I want because I know there are other things that you can add to the phone and ways to tweak it where Apple locks all that stuff down. But I don't see that big of a difference between them anymore. And I think that's a good thing, although Apple is still selling the stuff based upon the whole, hey, if you have an Apple iPhone and you have an Apple iPad and you have an Apple MacBook Pro and you have Apple TV, everything will just work together yes. automatically. And and then you can use your, your air streaming to, to beam things between and you know, never mind the security flaws of that. Oh, we talked about that one already. Yeah, but you can do all the same stuff with it. I mean, I don't care that it's an Android, a Samsung phone and a Windows PC from Dell and whatever, you know, a Roku. They still all talk to each other. So, I mean, the it's great when Apple was the only one that let these devices work together. I mean, there may be an extra step of setting these things up, but you can get the same experience between Windows and Android and other things working together as well. Now, it's not like Apple has the monopoly on doing these types of things. I need to give Sir Limofo credit in the troll room for being the first person that I've seen to put the words legit and loan shark in the same <laughs> sentence. And I had to thank Sir Limofo again for the uh, the ten dollars and ten cents or something that he donated back in September, which finally came through. PayPal oh. was investigating that or something oh my for, God. Yeah. for months. Well, they, they, because because you probably said something that was cancelable. Probably. Couldn't have been me. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, C-Mike, when he was trying to oh. donate for today's show, uh, wasn't able to get the information through. And he found out it wouldn't take a uh, debit card or something instead of a credit card for the payment. So there was weird things going on with PayPal, which again... They want to track absolutely everything. And I can understand, you know, it's like you play these games and I've done the same thing before, too, where it's like, let's see if I want to pay for this VPN. And I think I did this with uh, uh, probably Nord as well. And uh, the other one, which I'm blanking on, but the one that took cash, there was another uh, um, VPN service. But either way, they also took like CVS gift cards. And if you really want to be untrackable, you know, you take cash yep. and then you, you cash buy for the yep. And you buy the and, gift card with that. And then there's and, and you wear a mask while buying the gift card, of course, which is a lot easier under a pandemic. You know, you yes, you wear the mask and then you, you try to make sure there's no connection back to you. And if you're using a, you know, gift card, I mean, gift card, obviously, is a li- I thought it was a little weird that they took a you know CVS gift card number as payment. Um, But that was one of the things that and it's a good thing that you weren't. You weren't uh, giving them that CVS gift card number on an Apple app, or you would have had to pay 30% on it. Exactly. And yes, Mulvad was the VPN I'm yes. thinking of, C-Mike. Thank you. You are truly an expert, which is what we have here, which helps us so, make these shows better. I had I had one other story, but we can we can roll it over. It's about vigilantes. Oh, well, yeah, we can. Uh, it's, we, we're, we're, we're getting a little late here. 
Yeah, we could roll that over as well. Yeah, as, we're coming up against the hard break. And then, then, we, then we have the tranny tricking story. Through, ooh, ooh, then, I want to hear about this. See, now this one, which, okay, the weirdest thing about this story, and I had to read multiple sources to really try to, uh, to wrap my head around this, because this was an 18-year-old guy, a football player in Virginia, University of Virginia. Maybe I don't have the article open in front of me, but it said he matched with somebody who he thought was a female, like a couple of months ago on Tinder. And he must have gone and done the thing and then went back like like two months afterwards and ended up realizing that the female was actually a 40-year-old male and he killed the guy. And I mean, uh, okay, I was with him right up until that point. That seems like an overreaction. It's well, yes, it definitely seems like an overreaction. It was interesting that the article didn't really explain. I mean, although I guess maybe you don't need to what happened the first time around. You know, also, that, it, it, you said do the thing. I took that as a euphemism for sex. Yeah. yeah. So how do you have sex with a 40 year old man and not know it? I don't know. Maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't get beyond. Oral I mean, how drunk him. do you have to be? And he's 18. So, I mean, you shouldn't be drunk at all. You know, when the uh, from this. Yeah. Uh, Virginia in high attack. school. Yeah, I didn't drink in high school. I was a nerd. I never, never smoked pot. Uh, you know, this is. But again, I will fight for your right to do whatever the hell you want. But, uh, you know, I'm just the nerd, man. I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, but they didn't really explain. And it, the the way this was kind of framed was interesting because they were talking about how his lawyer, this kid's lawyer, was like crying when presenting this and how. He wanted well, to get, the lawyer was crying. Yes, that he wanted bail that this, you know, he's tried a bunch of murder cases, but, you know, this is different. I mean, one of the quote from the lawyers. Oh, OK, I've, I've heard I've heard lots of of lawyers play up for the sympathy vote, but this is a new one. The lawyer was crying. Yes. Nobody deserves to die, he says. But I don't mind saying don't pretend you are something that you are not. Don't target or lure anyone under that perception. That's just wrong. So you're that, more upset. That's a guy tranny tricked you. Then your client killed the guy. Those are not even the same league. No, (laughs) no. I mean, I guess he beat the guy so badly, knocked out teeth. And he said as he was leaving, he heard gurgling from the body. Didn't call or ask anybody for help. And uh, they found the guy dead. Jingles on this. I'd be playing. I'd be hammering the douchebag jingle for this fucking high school douche. Yeah. Well, he was just went to college. But of course, now here's the interesting story. Not for long. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Because it's like your life is over no matter what at this point. But the 18 year old football player is black. The 40 year old guy white. So this is why I've never heard of it. This is a very interesting story. Um. You know, I don't understand, like you said, how you go through the first encounter and don't realize that, you know, what was going on. Um, but, yeah, that is that is the story as it is being told. And. Uh, I mean, so I don't the, know. The moral of this is if you're a 40 year old incel, then Tinder is the place to get some with those young 18 year old guys. I guess. That, now, I, I mean, does anybody I mean, if you but, but then lock your door. Well, and have weapons, I guess. Uh, I mean, I want to know if anybody in our audience, I'm sure some of you do or have used a site like Tinder. I just find this to be asking for trouble. 
this whole Tinder concept. did not exist when I got married, and I have not been allowed to go <laughs> dating ever since. So, well, I, but see, Tinder isn't dating. I kind of understand the dating apps where you kind of put people together and then they meet, you know, at a coffee shop and have a conversation. Tinder seems a lot more like swipe right, and then it's like, yeah, here's my house or my hotel room where just show up to fuck. And that just seems like you're asking to be rolled. And it's asking to uh, have really yeah, bad does. things happen to you. I the, this is why the, the this is why the human population is going to start going down is because this is this is what people think courting is now. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I think we have gone so far down that line that this is like, oh, you have an app, you just swipe. Oh yeah, I banger. Okay. I, 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 I mean, I know this sounds really efficient, but when when I was out looking for a, a life mate, I actually had to leave the house and meet women. Wow, that is so inconvenient, though. I know, and and so archaic and anachronistic. And and how did how did humanity even exist when it was that difficult? But somehow we survived it. And you somehow had the skill, with I think a hundred percent accuracy, unless you're not giving us a story. That you were able to tell a uh, a male or from a female. I know this is a whole new world. You can't put a target. You can't put a label. It's, well, it, it was a different time back then. There were only two genders. It made it easier. Yeah. Now there are so many. This does add a lot. I wonder does uh, does Tinder have multiple genders that you can choose? Um, I would not doubt it in the least. <laughs> it's like this. I don't know if you're using. If you're a Tinder user and you're listening to this and you use it quite a bit and have had no negative experiences, let me know. Because this just seems like trouble waiting to be swiped. It really does. I don't see how this could ever work out. This to me, anytime, if I was using Tinder and it was a hot woman that's like, yeah, let's get together and do it now, I'd be sure I was going to walk into a hotel room and have a gun put to my head and be like, give me your money. You know? <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not nearly so bothered by the the specifics of what the person is on one or the other. Uh, the the part where the entire story went wrong to me is where you you hook up and you see the person that you're presumably going to have a quick bout of sex with. And well, and quick, speak you for yourself, young man. Well, I, I am speaking for myself and, you know, things. <laughs> Things don't work as well as they used to, uh, but getting fooled, that's the part where you, you, you lost. You know what? If some people are into men, some people are into women, some people are into uh, you know, people who are halfway, I, you know, you do you, I'm not going to kink shame anybody, but if, if, if you walk into that room, like I, here's where you lost me. The guy walks into the room is like, I was expecting a woman. You're an old fat dude. Uh, okay. Well, let's fuck anyway, and then I'll come beat you. What? No. <laughs> you see where this went wrong? Like that you didn't see, like not up to expectations, and then okay, uh, sorry, wrong room. Turn around, close the door, walk away. The, the, don't go through with it. What? Well, like, but that was see that was my confusion, and it seems like they had done it once before. So obviously, the the confusion was the guy bought it the first time. And then realized the second time that uh, the, 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 it was not a woman. So maybe Tinder just needs more restrictions on what they allow in their app store so that people are not uh, using misleading marketing. Let's see, to be fair, now sites like Tinder, I could see 
maybe should have to require a driver's license or something. You know like what that. this is? This this is the kind of security that the thirty percent Apple tax should be providing you. Yes, they should be paying for this kid's if, legal. Defense. If Apple really were protecting you from misleading marketing, then then their thirty percent on Tinder would would help you prevent this sort of of mislabeling. And I, I mean, I don't want to misgender you, but did you see comic strip bloggers? One of his latest that the whole I don't know who I'm podcasting with because we've never met in person. I think that's true of a lot of podcasters. See, but his it's little not doodle, really a requirement. Yeah, his little doodle was obviously me, but you were uh, drawn as a uh, attractive young blonde. So a woman. And uh, uh, I don't know if, if CSB knows something that I don't, but uh, I- you know, he's absolutely true, especially with all these voice changing technologies well, now. For, I mean, for all you know, you've been podcasting this whole time with a super hot female and a voice changer. It turns out you're Adriana Lima. That would be the ultimate mind fuck right there. Yeah, well, you still don't get to. I know. That's just the way the world works. What can I say? Uh, we, it's, it's a crazy place, which is why we do these shows, which is hopefully why you tune in. You never know what you're going to hear. It's going to be crypto. It's going to be tranny tricking. It's going to be Apple just raking you over the coals. Maybe it'll be something crazy CSB says. You never know. That's what we're doing here. We're trying to have fun and bring a little bit of sanity into an insane world. And we'll be doing another one of these shows then on uh, Monday. That's the that's the next show, which, of course, we'll have our Chicago crime report. Yes. And and those are always fun. Yes, where where we get to find out just how screwed up Chicago is for another week in a row. So be sure to tune in for that. We do the shows live on the No Agenda Stream, noagendastream.com at noon Eastern time, Mondays and Fridays. Or you could just go to grumpyoldbens.com and click that little play now button. But until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where if you're going to get tranny tricked, at least, uh, you, you know, get what you're going for. And from America's left coast, where I wear my gender on my sleeve, I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, that is easier than for people to understand. It's better than a blockchain. Yes.